This is Jonah Hill, and you're listening to the only podcast that matters. Bro gang, we are joined by the king of cable, the late night lord, the producer prince, Jesus Amaro's ace in the sleeve, the East Flatbush Pharaoh, the Don Dada of digital, the IMDB MVP, the Showtime Shaman. This man doesn't hire white people, so you know I'm fucking with him. Senior digital producer of Jesus and Mero, Rob YC McRae. Young Costanza type beat. What's up, dude? Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. That was a great... I mean, I, I might need to record that as a DJ drop. That's incredible. Well, well you, I, you're I, recording all right. this. You know, well, so. Actually, Lawrence is recording this, so there's a, there's a high chance that uh, this never comes out. Yeah. Um, We're just doing it for us, dude. Just for the boys, man. This is for nobody else. <laughs> well, you, talked we, about being, you talked about being Zoom illiterate. Um, you know, we've mastered Zoom on the pod, so hopefully we'll be able to do this. Like, so much so that Lawrence, before you came on, his uh, username was taking a quick shit. So that anyone who logged on to the Zoom knew that he was taking a quick shit. Yeah, man. Got it. You got to use your well, brain. Well, now, now it says something else. He's using uh, is, is the working the working component of the household. Uh, oh yeah. Name, right. <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah, I should let me rename that to not taking a quick shit anymore. All right. Got that. See, I, don't, so, yeah. I don't even know how to do that. So you're ahead of the game. I, I've been on Zoom calls where it's like. People's names are like, join my Google Hangout, which I don't know how they possibly made that. I think this woman is like 90 years old, so it's fine. But Why, why are you Zooming with 90-year-old women? I, w- I was just going to say, why am I doing that? But like, let's not talk about it. We all need to like, Zooming with, make Zooming up. with boomers. New, new revenue streams. Yes. So, so, oh, so you've just been doing Zoom dates then? Is that what Zoom, Zoom is mean, with boomers? I, I mean, if you can call it that. Well, <laughs> listen, Rob, what we do want to do on this Zoom right now is to do a fit check buddy and you can go top down or bottom up and you do have a fresh fade but i i hope that that does that fact does not lead you astray i i think i, I think i gotta go bottom up uh because of the expert opinions of you guys i think yeah. that's your preferred uh, way to go yeah assuming so. you're not a police officer an officer of the law <laughs> i mean the worst time ever to be one so uh Right now, uh, I am sitting in my house, so I am wearing uh, the Nike slides with the with the with the uh, tie dye Nike sock. Oh, the Benassi slide! Are, that's very like a classic, a classic, classic slide. A classic uh, house shoe. Slide man, uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> are are, are your tie dye socks like? Did you do those yourself, or did you buy those? No, I got I got them from a friend who does them. I wish I knew what his what his name was. He's not that good of a friend, clearly, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he, I got, I got sent a pair through a friend. Actually, you know, Paulie, Paulie's boy, uh, uh, you know, Paulie Wave of Thrones. Of course. Paulie uh, Christo. Paulie C. Paulie Christo, the, the God, uh, shout out to him. Uh, his friend actually makes them and, and uh, Paulie got me a pair. So that's where I got the socks from. Very is nice. It, is it Liam? Uh, oh, is it that's Liam? That's what I was thinking. Liam Gauze? Liam Goslett? Does that sound familiar? Oh, yes. Yes. There you go. There you go. Damn. Yo, you Liam got almost got dubbed on mic in front of the paywall. Yeah. Happy we could fucking yeah. correct that. I'm, 
I'm not going to lie. I like went through Instagram trying to find this guy's name because I don't know him at all. Uh, so I try to find it like so I could be prepared and give him his proper uh, respect. And- shout, out Lee, shout out Liam and uh, yeah, you're welcome for the fucking shout out. Uh, send, send through a couple of pairs from the boys, you know, for, the, for this free clout. Yo, I mean, they took, I, I think he's a, is he based in Canada? Yeah, Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, so it took like literally months to get here because they got <laughs> held up in customs with the drugs and the guns and shit. I guess uh, I don't know. how many how many guns came in the package with the socks? <laughs> um, none, none in my package, but I, I won't speak for Paul because that right. was his uh, his delivery. So Liam, if you want to include any any drugs or guns in the socks, yeah, feel free, my guy. It's a new sucks. world order. Yeah, and then, sure. and then moving on up, Rob. What are the shorts today? I saw because you took a you got up earlier, so I saw some fucking knee cap. Uh, I got the oh yeah, I got the uh, the uh, Mitchell and Ness uh, Detroit Pistons lightning bolt throwback. Ooh, bad boys, bad boys, yeah. dude. What you, you know, gonna do? You know, are you a Pistons? You're Pistons guy. Absolutely not. I'm a, I'm a fashion guy. Uh, I, I love lightning bolts. I'm a big I'm a big weather guy. So uh, big, big Harry Potter fan. Yeah, I love I love lightning bolts. So that's why I got these on. And uh, I guess moving up, it's very very easy fit check since we're actually in our own homes right now. Sure. Uh, just a plain uh, heathered uh, Velveteen t-shirt, pocket tee. Ooh, Ooh Velveteen. Yo, great very, fucking very great nice. brand. Yeah, not oh it's. Yeah. I gotta say it's 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 a it's a cool brand. I like I like this is probably like my favorite T-shirt, and I like how they make them. But I will say that I tried to buy the same T-shirt like five years later, and it looks the same. But it's, I don't want to be like the they don't make it like they used to guy, but mm. they don't make it like they used to. <laughs> Damn, They're make like, Velveteen kind of great again, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, maybe maybe Joe Biden will get on that if he, <laughs> if he gets on, which which who knows? Uh, not to that get is, political. That is that is part of his platform. Yeah, it's <laughs> very incomplete rambling platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know the it's the it's that one brain cell is working overtime. So you know yeah. you got to give credit where credit. Nothing, is nothing so far on affordable childcare or anything, but many, many words yeah. on on restoring the greatness of Velveteen. Yeah, Throne Fits yep. is a is a political podcast, Rob. Obviously, I, I guess you're not familiar with what we're doing now, but um, we pivoted. We're only, yeah. we're only we're only going to talk politics. And uh, <laughs> what about the uh, what about the shades, the glasses? Uh, these are, uh, Dita prescription, very prescription. Um, I am a blind <laughs> oh, person. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I can see, I, I feel like I just, like, was fucking tripping there for a second when you yeah, held them on the computer. Yeah. That shit popped into the Zoom. I take, I take them, like, I take them this much off and I'm like, I can't. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, I look like the horny wolf without my uh, glasses, the horny cartoon wolf. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, let's just talk, let's talk haircuts. You got a haircut yesterday. Yeah. Shout out phase two. <laughs> Uh, I got a haircut today, actually. Oh, wow. oh really? Wow. wow. Okay. The factory floor. Walk us through. Uh, walk us through the feeling, like when you walk through the door. You know exactly how you were feeling. When uh, did you moan exactly? Stuff. Yeah. How hard were you when you sat down? <laughs> well, as as I kind of mentioned a little bit before, um, when they announced the phase two thing, I was like, I was like, I don't even know what these phases fucking are. And my girlfriend was like, Oh, it's barbershops, and I was like. Suddenly, suddenly, everything that suddenly everything that Cuomo's doing makes perfect sense to me. Um, So I was like, "Oh, really? (laughs) Exactly." Just panting, (laughs) just the eyes, just like bugging out. Oh Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just want to let everyone know that there's no soundboard right now. <laughs> Lawrence and James just like pinching their own nipples. And- <laughs> Sorry for flicking my own bean on Mike, the fucking human yeah. soundboard, dude. Was it was it hard to get? Was it hard to get an appointment, or did, or did your barber text you ahead of time and like set it up? No, it's, it's, I just I just walked right in. Um, I, I'm like trying out like this barber that I've been trying out le- recently because my barber of many years has like fallen off the grid a little bit. Which he's, damn. Oh he's shit! Is he okay? Is he okay? To, no, he's fine. But he he kind of like disappears and he's like he's a little bit of a a, a shadowy figure. So <laughs> I I kind of see him sometimes, and then he goes on he goes a wall for a couple months, and then he'll pop back up and be like text me and be like, oh yeah, I'm back. From what? And you know, we don't talk about it or whatever. He's got the he's got secondary revenue streams, as we call yeah. them. Right. Uh, right. It seems like it. I hope so. I hope it. I hope it's worth it. I hope he's all right. Uh, but it was so, pretty. It was pretty. I think people are still uh, obviously a little bit hesitant to uh, do things and go places which, as they should be. And I don't know if people even knew if these like because you don't even know if these businesses are staying in business unfortunately so like even if like yeah the barbershops are open you don't know if your barbershop is still going to be there for after three months of this you know so uh i just walked in there there was one guy already getting his hair cut uh the two of the barbers in there were wearing masks the guy getting his hair cut was also wearing a mask which i thought was strange but i was uh i was pleased that they are able to uh find the technology to do that uh so they <laughs> cut around my mask uh they cut around my n95 I'm not supposed to have that mask, but my father gave it to me and, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I got that. So I just kept it on the whole time and uh, it was fine. They cut, so like, they don't even like take it off of the ear to cut around the ear? What? They literally like moved the strap like up and then moved it down. Like they literally like left Damn. it on like completely. How, how good did it feel? Um, a, just sitting down and then once the fucking clippers hit the sides and then also like walking out. Just walk us through that so we can live vicariously through this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it felt really good. I think it's just like, not only is it just like a feeling of like a little bit of uh, like normalcy, because if you like get your haircut like regularly, it's like one of those things that you definitely miss after not being able to do that. It's not anything that you're like, I'm not on the streets protesting to, to for my right to uh, get a haircut like, Sure. Uh, we've seen we're storming like that, but... the Capitol building with a gun yeah. that you may or may not have received from a sock man up in Toronto. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, but it is one of those things where it's like, it's a, it's a nice fast thing that you, that you miss. And like, I, I was able to just do that real quick and like be in and out and like a very not crowded situation. And I had my mask on, which is cool, but it felt good. But also like after months of just not having your hair cut, no matter like how much you shower, how much you like shampoo and all this shit, it never feels quite clean. Like mm. you feel like you're just growing all this weird fucking hair in every direction. And like, it doesn't even, it's not just the like lack of a haircut. It's like the general lack of grooming that you just give up on because like you're in this like kind of quarantine scenario and like, you're just kind of growing like magical dreadlock, like locks of hair out of your beard and shit. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it was just nice to take a break from that. I guess sure. did you, Rob, did you, let the, did you let the facials grow through all through quarantine? Because I know that you can't get your shit, you can't get your beard trimmed or anything at a barbershop now. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and, and I guess that's why you can keep on your mask um, or you have to keep on your mask. But um, I, I basically kept, my facial hair is not uh, the most, uh, not the most adult in the world. So it wasn't <laughs> a huge problem for me. I you, got, you, got churlish, you got churlish, you got churlish facial hair? 
Yeah, I, I got I got very patchy, won't connect uh, beard vibes. Uh, Bro, you so, told me. I mean, I mean, your, your, yours looks a lot better than mine ever could, James. So you should feel good about that. <laughs> um, Rob, Rob, I have another question about the barbershop. What was the topic of conversation when you were like, what were people talking about? Because I'm, yeah, I'm curious because like they're, you know, what, what's, what are the vibes? Are people talking yeah, about like the general vibe? What was the, was it, was it harsh? Um, I think people were just kind of like talking about like being back and being open. You know what I mean? It was more them just being like, hey, it's been three months, huh? I haven't seen you in a while. Like that kind of shit, like very small talk. They, we, I don't think they've warmed up to the barbershop conspiracy uh, theory level of discourse that uh, <laughs> we're used to at a barbershop. Sure. I mean, my old barber, I remember a guy who, like, when people come into town and, like, they need a haircut, which is a thing that apparently happens, or, like, they move here from wherever. Sometimes I'll, like, refer people to my old barber. And I remember, I was thinking about this because I was at the barbershop, how the last time I sent Paulie to my barber... I was like, how was it? He was like, he's good. And I was like, he's a weird guy, right? And Paulie <laughs> goes, yeah, he was telling me how, like, we shouldn't get into a war with North Korea because we can't win because they know karate. Um, <laughs> no, that's, you can't argue with that. Facts. That's good geopolitical kind of insight. I, mean, I, think, I think John Bolton said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. In that, in that exclusive ABC interview, John Bolton <laughs> said that Trump was afraid of, of uh, North Korea because of their karate prowess. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, my point is, my point in bringing that up is that like, uh, I don't think the barbershop, uh, banter has warmed up yet. Right. It's, you gotta, you gotta preheat that oven, yeah. you know, that's the bands, uh, nature, the nature is returning, you know, or yeah. whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Yeah. Nature is healing. The barbershop conspiracy theories were, again, we're warming up that yeah. I was just wondering if there was any hot takes on the NBA bubble, you know? Uh, cause that's the kind of, uh, NBA insight that I look for straight from the barbershop. No shit from ESPN. Oh, there, was, there, was no, there was nothing on that. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about that myself because I, I'm going to say there's a better than 50% chance, in my opinion, that it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think Same. so, too. I you, mean, think it's not, you think it's not going to start? Or I think it's going to start, and then it's going to be a disaster, and then it's going to shut down prematurely. Um, I think that, like, the things that I've been watching uh, for reasons that are not really important is I've been watching what's, like, going on with, like, Disney. And um, I just was saying, like, right before this was all happening, I was like, Florida government's a piece of shit. Sure. And, like, they're going to do whatever they can to open everything as much as possible. So when Disney announced they were reopening, I was like, okay, bet, like, Disney's going to reopen. Like, it's going to happen. Like, they, they're going to they're gonna reopen the park and, like, whatever the fuck happens, happens. And then all this stuff started let spiking. God, like, let God sort it out, bro. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. But all this stuff started spiking to a crazy amount. And then I was like, okay, well now they got to, there might be just too much pressure for even Florida to even say, fuck it. And then yesterday they announced that like Disneyland in LA was supposed to open on the 17th and they're postponed indefinitely. Mm. Who was so, it? Howard, so, there's some player. How's Florida going to, like, justify opening Disney on July 11th when they can't open in California on July 17th? You know? I mean, the, the calendar in Florida reads differently. But, but also, like, there's some player that's like, – I don't understand what the rules are anymore because there's some player that tested positive but is still going to Orlando. Yeah, I saw that. I saw uh, – I forgot who the fuck it was. But um, I think the idea is that they're going to go down to Orlando. Jabari Parker. Oh, they're going to – And go, Jokic, well, too. Who's who's in, mean, who's they're quarantining in Serbia and uh, who before right. he comes back? 
Well, well, Jabari Parker, I don't even know if he's like an import. Like uh, he's on the Kings, uh, right, or some shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why? I don't understand it, but I think they're gonna go to Orlando and like be in quarantine initially, like there. I guess, like, I guess that's the plan. But I imagine that if you tested positive, you're not, you weren't gonna come right away. But I guess I'm wrong about that. The real question is. How are the how is the side piece economy going to restart with the NBA being in this bubble? And the answer, I guess, is that you know every player gets like a, a certain number of like I don't know entourage members, like team masseuses and like nutritionists and shit that they can ah, bring with them. Yes, that's the real question. Is the masseuse, like, right. yeah, exactly, exactly. I have a, I have a question. How is it? Isn't it kind of wrong that like everyone's getting exposed for having? Like, isn't there something that protects you from, like, having your medical information, like, just broadcast to everyone or no? Yeah, it's what, uh, it's what, um, what's his name on the, yeah. What? Yeah, I think it is, but it just prevents doctors and, like, insurance companies. But, like, if someone says, I have COVID-19 or it's, or it's, like, they self make that new, like, you know what I mean? Like, if they basically, you're allowed to tell people you're sick. So the leak, it it leaked. It leaked that Ezekiel Elliott tested positive, and then he just tweeted out, "Yo, HIPAA." <laughs> so, so, so you're saying that Woj bombs are illegal now? When he when he's just telling, is that what you're saying? Like, just the broadcasting of people's medical history is illegal? I mean, I'm, who knows, I think man? It's fine as long as they got the information not from a doctor and not from an insurance company, mm. it's the new normal. Um, yeah. But I guess like, so it's just interesting though, that I guess to hear that uh, the bants are mids in the barbershop that, you know, we're not even talking NBA. It's just yeah. like, talking but also, about- also make the banter that you want to see in the world, right? Like get in the barbershop safely and fucking, mm-hmm. you know, start up the banter economy. Once again, the day this episode drops, I'm making my triumphant return back to Mildred. To Shout Mecca. out Rob. Shout out Paul for uh, setting it up. They're starting, they're reopening for on Monday. So ping. I'll report back. Right. Um, to complete the fit check, though, yeah. Rob, can't forget the panties. What panties well, are we, Rob? Well, we, need to, we need to ask about the sh- – he never said what the, the brand of the glasses. Dita. D- oh, Dita. he did. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, all good, all good, all good. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the Tommy Hilfiger boxer brief, the classic, which appear to be inside out right now. <laughs> nice. Hell Is yeah, that because they're yeah. dirty? Is it laundry day and you had to turn the fucking skid yeah. marks on the outside? I will the, say all flip the skid I have, like the script. Time. I gotta say I have nothing but time these days, so I, I have plenty of clean laundry. Luckily, good, good. Um, and close. are you real worried? Are you are you regularly a briefsman? No, 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 not since I was maybe twelve. Wait, boxer, boxer briefs, boxer, boxer briefs, yeah, boxer briefs. I think that's what James meant. So, support and length. You know, mm. it gives you both. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 there's, there's a graph and those are what are, are on the two axes is that is support <laughs> right like, the two most yeah. important elements of of any undergarment i guess now that i think about it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly support and length uh, are you, I think it's uh, the axis i remember when you came on um the previous podcast it shall not be named you had some hardware on some gold are you uh-huh. are you rocking uh jewels in the house or do you just keep it yeah you had the you had the tooth or do you keep it hung up by the door, including the tooth? <laughs> the funny thing about that is, yeah, I don't. He throws I don't it in a bowl with his keys. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't wear the jewelry, and I put it in in my beaded posh. Just throw it on there with the with the keys and the and the and the phone. Um, no, I don't. I don't wear the jewelry in the house, especially now when you're like literally just staying in the house. You're not having any visitors or any shit like that. 
Um, but the weird thing about this, which I realized, is that the last time I was in the office, I was, was uh, I think it was like March 13th. I think I remember because it was a Friday. And uh, I left uh, my gold teeth, which is like I got like a two piece on one side and a one piece on the other. I left them in my desk hmm. and they've just been sitting there this whole time. Uh, oh, bummer. They're probably, like, they're probably like sentient beings now or something. Like, I don't know. They've, I had a, they so, started so their own I, society. So I left, my, mm-hmm. I left my job during quarantine and um, I FaceTimed with this dude off from the maintenance team, Shao Jesus. And uh, he was like, yo, do you want this? You want this? And I'm like, he's like, do you want this, you know, memorabilia? Do you want this like uh, kind memorabilia? of memorabilia? Yeah. Do you want this like merch? And I'm like, no, I don't want any of that. Yo, let me get those boxes of tissues though. <laughs> like, yeah, let, me right. that, let me get that fucking <laughs> wine that I left there uh, from Dro. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm ex- yeah. excited to see what, ha- what has happened to your teeth. Just created a whole new fucking society. Yeah. Perhaps maybe when I go back, there'll be more of them. They have multiplied. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna you're gonna come back with the iced out grill, dude. They've evolved. Yeah, a whole, a whole top and bottom piece by the time. Gold they, teeth I don't die. Yeah. The ba- the coronavirus baby boom extending to teeth jewelry. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Rob. Fit check complete. Thank so you. I don't know if you're familiar with throwing fits. I know you listened to the uh, Gimme Top Tyson episode from last week, um, <laughs> but. As you may or may not be aware, the three main <laughs> subjects of this podcast are money, kaching, meats and cheats. Yeah, so, wait, right, Rob, yeah. Rob, you're a smart guy. Can I ask you a question? Uh, so we had this segment, right, called Dadass that we thought might have been offensive. Uh, then, we ch- then we tried out fapping and clapping, and now we're doing mm-hmm. meats and cheeks. Are, are any of these least, like, uh, the least offensive to you particularly? Or like passable and like effectiveness. Yeah. Acceptable probably is the is the way I would want to phrase it. I mean, I don't I don't want to delve into why the first one was offensive because maybe if you explained it to me, I'd get it. But I think that <laughs> these are all these are all fine names. <laughs> okay. To me. I, I, mean, I think I the know. goal the goal with like fapping and clapping and meats and cheeks is it's supposed to be all encompassing. No matter like if mm. you're self pleasuring, no matter who your partner is, no matter what you're into. Um, no matter, you know, what, what, what tingles your Pringle as is said in the New Yorker.com. Um, Great, we're just yeah. trying to be all encompassing here. Yeah. And no, yeah just athlete, normalize, like, normalize sucking and fucking. Yeah, know? exactly. Right. That's all we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and the third topic, which is never going to change and is without a doubt, the most important topic, Jimmy, Larry, ourselves, the goddamn motherfucking boys. And we're going to start with that topic because it is the most important. So you work on the Jesus and Merrill show, and just like us, their trajectory has gone from a complex show to a podcast to a show at a problematic media company. And now, unlike us, its current iteration exists as a TV show on premium cable. How do we follow in their footsteps? Yeah. Feel free to just break it down real quickly for us so that we can get this shit popping. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, if I knew, I would probably be on a premium cable channel myself. So uh, I, I honestly don't know, but um, I think the, the first key is to be very talented. Mm. Um, you, Shit, you guys uh, got to work on that. You Fuck. Moderately <laughs> in tech, like yeah. you know, you, you, you got you got a good base. Sure. Um, so so there's that. I think the key is to be talented. Um, I gotta say, um, so I don't know if you guys know Victor. Uh, their guy, their guy who uh, he self describes puts together uh, Jesus and Mero's deals. So shout out to Victor. Um, he's a key component of, I think, that uh, that uh, that rocket ship that is Jesus Romero. I mean, what, what is he like? Their manager? Yeah, 
or like their yeah, face he, guy? He's, he's kind of like the business guy. I, he doesn't like to call, I mean, shorthand, he's their manager, but I don't think he likes to call, say I'm their manager. Cause I feel like he's a, he's a, he's like a, he's a humble guy. So he doesn't like to, to take too much credit for, you know, the shit that they're doing, but he's, he's a, he's a really smart guy. And I think he's been helpful in like kind of guiding their careers and like, the direction that it's gone in. So I think that like the second thing is that like you need to, you need to get good advice uh, from the people around you. I mean, you guys, I mean, I don't want to get, you know, too into your business, but I thought you guys, uh, you guys signed a representation deal recently. No, we, yes, uh, we're, we on, we're on the one yard line. We're on the, we're on the half yard line. It's uh, first and goal with, um, you yeah. know, <laughs> with uh, so, pa- power eye formation, but we haven't, we haven't scored yet. It'll happen so, for sure. It's going to happen. But, uh, but yeah, I feel like we don't have that consigliere type role though. You know, yeah. we, I feel like we need that. Fair enough. Yeah. So fair surround enough. yourself I mean, with good people. Yeah. So you need to, you need to put, uh, you need to put uh, Chuck between you and, and uh, this new representation. You know, you got to have like your guy who's like the guy that they, they don't talk to. Don't talk to me. Talk to Chuck. Like that. Sort of, but, <laughs> okay. uh, but don't, but don't talk to him before 12 PM because he's not up yeah. yet. Yeah. He'll be, <laughs> yeah. he'll be sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have to wait for him to have his morning uh, blunt and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> his, and his, yeah. And his fruit loops. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just tell him that Chuck's based out of Australia. So he's like, right. You know, up at a different time. His business hours are just different. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man's business hours are different. Yeah. Yeah. Just every, day, every day is a three-day weekend mm, exactly sure. i like that wait every day is a three-day weekend <laughs> yeah <laughs> How is, i meant i meant week but that sounds good yeah he's maybe squeezed, maybe you are smoking too much weed chilling. Yeah. He, squeezes three, he squeezes three days of chilling into every day that's yeah. how we should all aspire to live chilling yeah. overtime ot all right so yeah. starting yourself with good people noted um i guess kind of you know adjacent follow-up is uh how do we get Jesus and or Mero on the show on throwing fits? That is, um, I mean, you guys know, you, you know, those guys. Um, but I will say that the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the hurdle to doing so is that they're incredibly busy. Uh, I mean, they do, they do the show. And like, now that we're like filming remotely, we're basically like working around the clock, like six days a week on just that. And a little bit on the seventh day. And then, I don't know. If, I think they've gone to like two podcasts a week when we went into quarantine or, or like they were doing more episodes of that. And then they had to do their normal like press and media uh, availabilities and shit. So I think that so, like I haven't really seen them on other podcasts. Yeah. Like, Wait, in a while. So their, their side project, two podcasts a week is what we're doing as our full time thing. Our main hustle. Yeah. That we're is called like that is called uh white privilege right there or that but, they're playing chess and we're still playing checkers. And then eventually we'll get on the same. Board. Yeah. We're playing, we're playing shoots. And right. Lines. Yeah. But you see the trajectory is the point you guys sure, see right. that you're, you're on the path. So yeah. I think that's important, but you're, but you said that right now you're, you're, you're personally off, right? You're on like a little sabbatical for, yeah, like we're, on, we're on hiatus. We're on hiatus. We're back on the air in July. You're like a, you're like a school teacher. Um, yeah. I want to, so, all right, forget Jesus Merrill. We understand they're fucking a listers at this point in our world. Let's talk about you, Rob. What exactly do you do at Jesus Merrill? Um, so I, uh, I work in the digital department. I run that department. And basically what we do is run that we're, in, we're in charge of uh, producing like original digital video and content for the show. That's like a little bit apart from the show. So just different 
kind of things that you can find on YouTube, on social media, on Instagram, on IGTV, that sort of thing. We produce original content um, for those channels. And then we also uh, like manage the process of delivering like clips from the broadcast show onto the YouTube page, onto the social media page, like that sort of thing. So, so that's kind of like, we're kind of like a, a mini version of the television. Sh- we're a mini version of the production at large. So like the production as a whole has writers. It has people who, you know, are editing stuff. It has like people who are uh, in charge of getting the talent and booking the guests. It has all that. And then like within my department, which is uh, a very small one, two, three, four, five person department, we have kind of all those functions kind of built into our department, like where we have, where we pitch ideas, we come up with like sketches and like um, topics for them to talk about. We, ha- we shoot it ourselves. We edit it ourselves. Wow. We have the social media person um, make sure that it like goes up into the right places and like the right people see it and, um, and keeps our channels going. And like, we kind of like are like a very small television production company unto ourselves. Since you guys are like internet first, are you kind of um, empowered or enabled to like be like a little like more out there and a little more crazy since you're not like stuck within, you know, the confines of like what a TV show is or, or should be. And it's the, it's still the wild fucking West. So like, I don't know, do you, do you guys get just get like zanier? I think so. I think we're able to, because things just things that work on television and things that work on the internet are often different things. Yeah. So like, I think that in general, we we're given a lot of latitude and like shout out to everybody at Dean Samaro for like really giving us a lot of like autonomy to do like whatever we want to do, as long as the guys are like cool with it. And I think because like a lot of us in this department or like have good relationships with Dean Samaro, like prior to this, that they feel comfortable like doing stuff with us and like trusting that, like we'll make sure that like, that it's a good that's a good product and that like we're not gonna make them look like jackasses you know what i mean so they like trust us like at least at least my my what i what i perceive is that they trust us to like make good shit and like they trust our ideas so like we have we have like pretty pretty uh pretty much carte blanche to do like whatever we want like we really just go directly to the guys and see what they're comfortable with you know is there a part of the process that you particularly enjoy like is it pitching is it you know i don't know uh like what is it like what is the part that really that really gets you going <laughs> i mean i i just like the idea that like we can come up with ideas for things and like we don't have to go through a lot of like red tape before we actually just decide to shoot it like we'll come up with an idea and some of the times like we don't even necessarily have to pitch it like formally to Dean Samaro. They usually are just like kind of like we in passing or like in the hall or like, uh, or by a text message, you could just be like, Hey, do you want to do this thing that we like thought was a good idea? And they'd be like, cool, let's do it. And we just schedule the time and we shoot it. So, um, I'm, I like the fact that we can just like turn our ideas into like reality with like an extremely quick turnaround. That is a huge blessing that you should that no one should take for granted is mm-hmm. like having minimal or no red tape from go, between uh ideation to execution and something that i think lawrence and i and maybe some other people on this pod have like you know struggled with or like been frustrated with throughout our careers and then i think that's the best part about this pod is like yo let's have an idea and we just fucking do it Nimble, um, baby so it's amazing that you guys work in this like pretty you know relatively large entity and are still yeah. able to kind of just like fucking free freely wheel and deal your way into like making good shit yeah, for sure. For sure. Coming back to us though, because this is a segment about James and Lawrence. Um, 
how would we do digital video, right? Like what's the first thing you tell us if, if you were just to like take control of throwing fits digital department and w- what would you do? Foundationally speaking. Um, I think the biggest thing that like I've learned in this like process for like the season and a half and hopefully many more. Um, the thing that I've learned the most is that like you really need like uh, very professional look and feel people. So uh, what I'm saying is that like you guys like, and this is the same thing with Diaz Miro. you guys have the like talent portion, like locked up, like nobody can tell you, you know, how to do what you guys do and like what to say and like how to be on camera. And like, you guys have your, your finger on the pulse, you know, mm. you don't, you don't need, you don't need the, uh, the help with that aspect of it. But when it comes to like shooting and like editing there's just like a lot that can go into even an internet video or whatever. If you want to like, kind of like dismiss it as that. But like, if you look at our like YouTube page, like the stuff that like, that mostly goes through the hands of like my, uh, like my other producer, Tim, who's like does most of the like shooting and editing and understands like all this equipment. And there's also like a creative guy on top of it. Like he's shooting this stuff. Like he's shooting a movie. You know what I mean? Like he's like, movie. A- yes, exactly. He's a, he's a filmmaker. And I think that like, it's, under that aspect of it is a little bit underrated because like you you don't need a whole lot to like you know because like most of what's going to carry you is obviously the like the content and like what you say and what you do and like what you're doing on camera what you're doing on the podcast but like the production values of a thing is kind of like what takes it to the next level and what keeps the focus on like what you're doing what you're saying what keeps the focus on jimmy and lawrence is that like everything is shot so beautifully and edited so beautifully and put together so beautifully that like your your message is going to like come through like loud and clear and look great too. You know what I mean? I think that's the part that I knew nothing about going into this job. Like I knew very little about rather going into this job is just how much like uh, taking the shooting and editing part of it seriously. Even if it's like a lot of our videos with Deez Demera are the two of them sitting in the office, um, you know, talking about shit, you know? And at the same time though, what you don't see is that like we've got four cameras running at the same time, different angles. We got a bunch of box lights in the background. We've like arranged the office in a certain way to like maximize how good it looks. Like we have wardrobe people that we who help us out too Ooh. that like dress that dress them a certain way Ooh. that like make that make shit that makes shit happen. We have like all this stuff that like goes into like a video that's just them talking for two hours sure. about like knife fights in the Bronx, like. <laughs> Yeah, you think that like, oh, that's fun. that's just them. They just get in front of the camera and they're funny and like, yeah, that's what they do. But like, everything that we put around that is to like keep the focus yeah. on like how great that they, how great it looks, how great it Chuck, sounds. You Chuck, know? Were you ta- Chuck, were you taking notes? Were you taking notes, Chuck? Because you you are the video guy. Yeah, um, lights and cameras, some action, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but Rob, is it isn't that this idea that to an observer or a viewer that it just looks like any other day at the office isn't that like that's the testament to how much work goes into it right and i feel like that's what people forget because like everyone can just do youtube videos and like we get that but like what that shit looks like and what like a professional operation looks like even if that 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 those two things are much closer you know in 2020 than they would have been in the past there's still like a ton of work that goes into that yeah i think like you said i think part of the reason why I think part of what makes it good is you don't really think about it. You don't notice it. You wouldn't mm-hmm. think about those yeah. things. Like you notice little flourishes here and there, but you wouldn't like the fact that you're not paying attention to like how it's shot or like what's like happening or how it was edited is like the seamlessness of it that like you have to put a lot of work into. I mean, and we do all that shit ourselves. Like literally like the guys in my department, like we've learned 
Like we've all learned how to operate cameras when none of us did that before. Like when a few of us didn't do that before, like I'm literally standing there like holding a boom mic a lot of the time, <laughs> like, and the fucking can like the fucking uh, microphone box and shit. Um, when we shoot stuff with DiSamero, like on our own and like, we just like we, we we make a point to like use utilize this, the like tools that we have and like really make it as professional as possible. But I will also, never, yeah, I will never underestimate the skills of a lighting person and a sound person ever again for the oh, rest of my life. Of course, um, yeah, it's incredible. I want to ask about the wardrobe real quick. So I remember reading an article that these like these guys were they they very intentionally were supporting uh, Bronx based brands and black owned brands um and this is like earlier in their career is that still the case or now with like budgets being what they are have they moved on to like uh i don't know bigger and better not bigger and better but just like uh more like flashier or mainstream jaunts i think that they still they still support like the brands and the and the people that they support um I don't think that's changed all that much. Um, and I think that like the wardrobe person, the wardrobe persons that they work with, uh, shout out to Satra and them. Um, they, uh, they definitely like kind of work in collaboration with them. Like, it's not like she just picks shit out and like without any thought to like what they want to wear or what they, what they're, what they're like aesthetic and like personality is mm-hmm. like, it's a collaborative process because like the best people, who do these like the best stylists and the best wardrobe people and the best costume designers, like that's what they do. They like know how to like collaborate and like fit with what that person is about. And because these guys like have opinions about fashion and have opinions about brands and streetwear and that sort of thing, like I'm sure it's like a more collaborative process than it might be with yeah. other people. So I think they still they're still down for that. But I also think that like and you'll see it more, I think, on Marrow. Marrow's definitely more of like he's now like you know in the like get money Marrow phase of his <laughs> life, where he's like talking about being in the Versace store and like doing the X Y Z. Bro, he's his, about ch- his chain get, his chain gets thicker every episode. Yeah, it keeps, it keeps adding another Cuban link. Like he's wearing like three Cuban links at once and two cheese <laughs> pieces. And I'm just kind of like and like I go in the office with my two like paper thin chains. And he's just like, ah, nice chain. He's like, ah, Rob got some chain on. And I was like, you know, when you do that, it doesn't make me feel good. (laughs) You're like patting me on the head and like, (laughs) you're blowing me. That's good. Fantastic, Rob. Yeah, exactly. So do you still, do you still, um, when you guys are setting up the lighting and the cameras, do you still stand in for Meryl because you have a similar skin tone as him? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so me, me and Paul still are the uh, budget decent and Meryl stand-ins. <laughs> um, and we sit in, we sit in decent and Meryl's chairs. Uh, we still do that. I try to, I try to like, uh, I try to outsource that job to like some <laughs> interns and production assistants once in a while because like, it makes me feel good that like, I don't, you know, it makes me feel good that I like, I don't have to do it, but it's, it's fun still. It's still fun to do. Yeah. You're like, it's like the, the stunt double that does no stunts whatsoever. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great. Uh, real quick on their style. Whose style do you fuck with more? Ooh, yikes. Not to, not to pit, you know, oh, really? people Ooh. against each other or anything, <laughs> but that's what it sounds we like. are, we are a John's podcast. Yeah. Ooh, which style do I, do I fuck with more? You see, I think I have to, I, I'll, no disrespect, the reason why I'll say this is I say I'll give Meryl the slight edge mm. because okay. I think that, like, Jesus' style is, like, 
I think it's like hard to replicate, which is like a testament to it. Like I wouldn't try, I think I'd be more comfortable trying to dress like Mero than to dress like Deez. Cause I think that Deez was like very like, he's very particular about like what he wears and like the brands. And it's less about like the flashiness of it. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure he wears some flashy shit and like some cool shit, but like it's, it's definitely not like a main focus for him. Whereas like, Mero's more of like, I'm having fun. I'm wearing the Gucci baseball jersey, like, sure. whatever. And I think that, like, just as a personal preference, I relate to that a little bit more, you know? Mero is, he's splashing with the drip. It's like a deliberate kind of loudness that maybe Jesus doesn't have. It's a, it's a over, it's like an intentional, like, overproduction. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, sure. op- it's like, it's like, it's like gilding the lily, putting gold on top of gold. Like, it's, it's the, <laughs> The, it's the more is more aesthetic, which I which I think I can yeah. uh, the Michael can, Bay uh, method, you know, add a yeah, couple explosions exactly. on top of the explosion, dog. Absolutely, it's like it's like if they if they, if if Mero's outfit was outfits were an album, it'd be Watch the Throne. You sure. know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just loud. It's it's a lot of Lex Luger. It's a lot of like <laughs> loud ear ear rattling beats. Like it's just shit on top of shit, which I love. How many sneakers does Jesus own? Do you know off top or have an idea? Dude, um, he mentioned it recently, and I feel like I think he said something like I think he said something like with like five hundred. Dude, who knows what that really means? Do you know Damn. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has a, as as you may have noticed, he because we've been shooting this show remotely from mm-hmm. their their homes. Like he has a sneaker room. He has yeah. a room that's also now the studio that he shoots in um, by Zoom. So he has a sneaker room and like he started rearranging the sneakers in the background of his like room so that like they were like color coordinated and shit. And like he was saying it like takes him like hours and hours to do. <laughs> I this. noticed I also noticed some non-sneaker footwear in the Zoom call he had with where CC Sabathia and Scott Van Pelt jumped on. I saw some like yeah. uh, leopard print uh, Wallies or some shit, which, I, you know, we appreciate as a as fans of the post sneaker world. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, do they, I've, do never they, besides, I've never seen him wear him, but <laughs> he has one day. Well, listen, yeah. and this show, listen, all just own it, you know, just own stuff. Mm-hmm. We we love yeah. people that own shit on this show. Rob, yeah, besides uh, besides making fun of your fucking twine ass chains, not ropes, twines. Um, mm-hmm. do, do they clown your style? No, actually, I'll say this. I'll say this. Surprisingly, which you would think they they would like roast me a lot for something. They they seem to be uh, they seem to uh show me a little bit of more respect than I show myself. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, they are very, they are very gracious, gracious men. Um, and very, they are very support the homies, put it that way. It's an, and also it's an occupational hazard, right? Like the, you know, the, the ro- the roasts are, are, are strong. They're going to happen. You got to know what you're signing up for to some degree, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I do have, I do have like a, a pair of those uh, North face, like camping slippers. Mm. The puffy joints, the like, the like North Face jacket for your feet type <laughs> shit. Um, I did wear those once, and I was wearing them at a shoot. Like we were shooting around the office, and we were shooting a video of them playing that fucking uh, Untitled Goose game, and we were shooting this. And before it, I actually still have this video on my phone. And before it, <laughs> Meryl like looks down, and he's just kind of like. He starts like looking at me. I'm like, oh shit! I think he's looking at my shoes. Oh shit! I think he's looking at my shoes. I'm like, fuck! I've I've avoided this for like months and months. He's gonna say something. He's just like, yo, Rob got the West Indian landlord sneaking up in here. Like, 
But he's like, he's like, and then like, of course, that just cues Jesus up to start joining in and just being like, you know, he's like got the the nosy landlord neighbor shoes, and he's like, <laughs> you know, it's just like he won't let you slide on the rent, like, <laughs> and it's just like. It's cool though because like it's it's always in good nature. It's always in good nature. But like I also think that like Marrow again is also like the person to be like if he sees you wearing some some cool shit like that you that you wore and that you think is cool, he'll like point it out and be like, Oh shit, you got the you got the like, you know, the Richardson hardware tee that they don't sell anymore. You got the you got the Supreme like track bottom joints, like he, he he'll definitely like shout it out. Like if he sees if he likes what he sees. And I think if he does it, he just keeps it to himself because he's a nice guy. I love a little friendly gas up, you know, yeah, just in, sure. passing mm-hmm. in the halls. Maybe, that, maybe, we should do that. maybe we should do that more often with uh, Chuck and Chef, um, you know, just boost team morale. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of team, um, Rob, you, you don't have, you told me this, you don't have any white people on your team. I really wish I could say the same. We're like 75% non-white <laughs> over here um, with the core four. Is that an intentional thing or like a happy accident situation? Um, I think it's a little of both. Um, in some ways. So like I work as you guys, you guys know, Paulie, I work with Paulie. He's one of my producers. Um, he's one of the, he's one of the, he's like really the creative guy, like the main mastermind and the, in the team of like a lot of the, uh, creative things that we're doing. So he does a lot of that work and a lot of the logistical shit. And then Tim, our editor is, uh, Filipino and I didn't know him. He was, he applied for a different job. He applied for a PA job, I think, with the production, and then he didn't get it. And then they saw that he had some like editing experience, so they they called him back to interview again for that job. And he was just kind of like, he's a great guy, and he's just like really good at his his job, like really good at his craft, and and a very creative guy as well. Um, so that was kind of a happy accident because I didn't know him. And then we hired another like uh like associate producer who's kind of like assists with the technical stuff and like the editing Dean who's someone that I interviewed um, for the job. And he's, he's a guy, he's from Ohio and he's a black dude lives up in Harlem. And then we have Amelia who's a, who's a very big on social media, like expert, you know, who's running our socials, who's Cuban. Um, and I only say that because like, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about diversity and we have to normalize talking about diversity. Sure. Um, so that's, I'm kind of shouting it out. Um, so obviously we are, we are very heavily male aside from, uh, Amelia, but it's, it's a combination of just kind of like happy accident, but also, um, I think that our team is the least like TV experience. Hmm. So like a lot of us have like prior relationships with like these Samara with Victor. A lot of us had like prior things going on, on like social media and like other experiences. Like, you know, Paul, Paul used to write for Lawrence, you know what I mean? Like, I used to do a lot of shit on social media. I still do. Amelia does a lot of shit on social media. Um, I worked at Vice for a while. Um, you know, we all have like kind of these varied experiences where we were hired because like, um, and this is a lot, again, Victor driving a lot of this. He was just kind of like, you guys are like creative people. Like the TV stuff you can learn, but you right. can't learn the creativity and you can't learn like having a good working relationship with these can't teach speed you know that that you can't yeah exactly you can teach you can you can you can work on the fundamentals but you can't teach like the athleticism you can't teach tall you can't teach you can't (laughs) teach speed you can teach like the fundamentals but you can't teach the the innate talent that we all have in my department i think it's i think i think it's a great kind of like, you know, anecdotally talking about this, like this is what you, if you take, and obviously all the stuff that you guys produce is hilarious and awesome. I think like 
you know, almost everybody listening to this right now would agree with that. And it's just like, yo, take chances on people that maybe lack like the experience or like the pedigree that you think, you know, uh, you, what you would need for the role and just like, you know, get great people that are creative, like you said, and let them learn on the job. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think that's hopefully something that like, you know, more places employ moving forward because I'm sure like we could all agree, like there needs to be more black and brown bodies on television. It's that simple, right? Absolutely. And I think because like we proliferate this idea of like experience and pedigree, like with the, the unintended or unintended consequence of that is that you're just going to be rehashing the same white people over and over and over who have had the opportunity to like have these experiences in the, in their careers that like are just going to keep hiring that same group of people. And right. like, if you never take a chance on anyone new, they'll never get a chance to like accumulate that experience so that they can have it and that they can use it to like take the next step, but take the next step up. And like, I think that's like something that's like a huge problem that like maybe people are now starting to see a little bit of the light on as far as like, it's not just about like, um, hiring because of like experience or like giving people a chance, but like generally speaking, the people who get a chance are the people who are already in these circles and the people who already know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And these are all people who have had like a head start because they're white. You know what I mean? So you, uh, I, I agree with you on that. Do you think we're going to start seeing more black and brown faces, voices, brains, bodies on t- in the TV industry, not just on screen, but all throughout the whole industry? And I know you've, um, you've only been there for like a year and a half, but it, se- it seems like the Jesus Mero entire staff is like, you know, probably more diverse uh, color-wise than than most fucking entrenched TV shows and networks. Especially when you talk about like comedy and like late night comedy, for sure. For sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, I'm I know a lot of the other other shows um, do employ like diverse workforces as well, and I don't know that I don't know specifics to like to like shit on anybody else, but for sure. But I just think that like television is a very white industry. Comedy is a very white industry. If you want to look at it that way and like putting those two together, you know, you just get white on white. Um, (laughs) So as far as there being more, uh, you know, people of color, especially black people in television in front of in front of the camera and off camera, I think it will. I mean, just from my limited experience and my limited point of view, like I think it definitely will improve in like this kind of like current moment of people like really opening their eyes to like, racial disparity you know to put it mildly um is is hopefully something that will like raise all these issues across industries like hopefully people are taking this and applying it to like what they're doing in their work and what they're doing in their like in the entertainment field and like all those things but i still think it's going to be like a slow process because at the end of the day there's always going to be people who are ingrained and comfortable enough to just reach out to the networks that they know reach out to people who have the traditional experience that they usually look for. But I also see people making effort the other way. Like my sister sent me some job listings um, from a friend of hers that from Spotify and like, they're being very explicit in these job listings or this person is at least that like, we're looking for more black people to like fill these roles. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, seeing a little bit of that change in a small way, at least in like anecdotally, you know? Do you think that that could be applied to television the exact same way? Just like, you know, uh, being explicit in job listings? Like, is there anything that, you know, that you've thought about that could like affect change sooner rather than later? 
Well, I mean, I think being explicit and like we were talked about a little bit earlier, like normalized talking about race in like every context is like important. I think before even well-meaning, even well-meaning people before, before all of this, I think, and I think these people will continue to persist, think that like talking about race is like indecent the same way that like talking about money is like indecent. But on top of that, I think that people feel like talking about race in terms of like hiring practices is like, even if you're trying to build a more diverse workforce, people take that discussion as if we're saying, let's hire more unqualified people because like that in and of itself is like a racist like point of view. So like you can't, you got to like kind of divorce yourself from that thinking. And you also have to divorce yourself from saying, well, now I'm discriminating against white people. Cause they're like, I'm sorry. That's like, not like, that doesn't really exist in the way that people want to sure. make it exist. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just because you say, you know, I'd really like to hire some black people for these roles or some women of color, um, a trans person who brings a different point of view. Like part of like what people miss about diversity is like, and people are feeling the, the ramifications of this when we see all these kind of like weak corporate statements about like what's going on is that like, if you don't have these people already in your employ, you have no one to talk to when shit like this happens. You have no one to check your, your ideas with when like you have to say something about what's going on in America right now. You have no one to go to who can tell you, is this insensitive? Is this the wrong thing to say? Am I focused on the wrong issues? Am I like understanding what's going on correctly? If you don't hire these people, like for the jobs that are not to educate you necessarily, but for just the jobs and to be your coworkers and to be your managers and to be people who can like lead the charge on these kind of things. You're not going to have that. You're not going to have that point of view that just makes everything better. It makes your work better. It makes your products better. It makes how you engage with society and like what's happening in the world better. Like that's what diversity does. It's not about giving people a chance who don't deserve it. It's not about finding under unqualified people. There are plenty of qualified people in television and entertainment who are women of color, who are black, who are trans, who are queer, who can like do all these jobs and add that extra layer of perspective to everything that they do that are so valuable that are being overlooked because people are worried about discriminating against white people or discriminating or being selective or whatever the fuck. Like, that's just like something we got to move past. And like, hopefully this will like, spark us moving past that quicker, you know? And I think that uh, we talked about this a little bit, but I think that hopefully, you know, 10 years from now, like you, you are now an experienced TV person. Everyone on your team who wasn't is now like in the industry. And when you branch out from here, you guys are going to be in like more and more positions, yeah. positions of more and more power where you're going to be enabled, enabled and empowered to like hire quote unquote unqualified people yeah. who are just like right for the role, but don't necessarily fit in the box of what a traditional, you know, TV person is. Which you're is the awesome. new guard, right? Like exactly. that, you, you and Paulie and everyone. This is the new. This is the new. Make it inroads. Yeah, exactly. Um, For sure. But it, it still goes to say that the TV industry currently is I don't know ninety nine point nine percent white or some you know number up there. Uh, the Jesus and Meryl show. Its perspective, you know, good amount of staff is black and brown. The the everything going in the culture it, it talks about is black and brown. Like, is there ever tension between the smaller show itself and the larger network that it belongs to? I mean, I think with any like television production company network relationship, like there's always going to be like some tension and like, especially because the networks, um, just because of what they are, are huge corporations, are huge media conglomerates are like, they are, they are literally, um, quote unquote, like they're the man that we talk about when like 
we're talking about like the institutions that um, control our country, control the economy, control what we see on TV, entertainment, how things are made, et cetera. They control the purse strings of like what allows a decent marrow to get made. So I think that like, because of just like, even when it's like well-intentioned people, even when it's like people who definitely support, you know, the causes we support, support diversity, love Jesus and Mero, want to put Jesus and Mero on the air, not just because they're funny and because they're good, but because of what they represent. Like there's always going to be tension anyway, because they're still a big corporation and there's so many things. And we see this with media companies in general and everything that's going on right now. There's just so many bad habits and like, bad bureaucratic things that are just ingrained in these companies that are hard to change, not for lack of trying necessarily and not for lack of um, desire to change. Some of it is that, but um, it's just hard. It's just hard to be nimble. As you guys mentioned earlier, it's yeah, harder right. for them to really get with the program as fast as maybe we'd like them to do sometimes. And I think that's what causes the tension, which is not necessarily a negative tension, but it's like yeah. creative tension and it, friction and like, yeah, learning it's, it's inherent right like it's easy to be like oh bad actors that's the problem but there's not bad actors that just have bad in, like intentions that they don't know are bad either and i think to your point like these are just conversations that need to happen or else like people just pretend like oh you know everything, are you everything are you normal. able rob uh because your team is like you know digital and it's not necessarily the main product and i'm sure that all the fucking suits are just like oh whatever yeah you kids and your fucking tickety tockety's like go crazy on the internet are you able to kind of like skirt by the oversight of like the man and, and the networks or do you kind of run into uh, brick walls or, or, you know, have to hop through hoops at all? Um, I think we definitely have to deal with our own like version of like red tape and like jumping through hoops and that sort of thing and bureaucracy and all that, because like they are just like, I think different from a lot of networks um, Showtime is very invested in like, having control over um, their social media and internet presence. So a lot of like production companies who work on these other shows, like, I don't know, like Samantha B, for example, is another show that the company that I work for produces um, a different team, of course, but the larger company produces a, a different um, late night show. I think that they have like the production team that's like kind of like full control over their social media channels. Whereas like, it took us a while for us to get to that point where like Showtime would trust us more to have like more full control over those social media channels. So I think that like we have our own version of red tape, but it's not so much internal. It's more with the network and it's probably like a little bit less scrutinized than like the broadcast linear product that's on TV. Um, but we have to deal with our own things too. And again, not because of like bad actors, not because of like bad intentions, but because like, Corporations are extremely careful, extremely large, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of review of everything that's happening. They try to keep track of everything because they want things to be successful. Um, but we have to deal with our own version of bureaucracy. So, yeah. I mean, it's a little both. I mean, we deal with it fine. And we have good partners on that on the Showtime side that help us out. And um, they, they're well-intentioned people. I don't think that they, they mean any malice by creating yeah. these bureaucracies, you know? No, of course not. But it, I mean, going back to Lawrence's point, it's like, yo, the, the, the only priority that a corporation or business has is profit. They don't care about, you know, furthering culture, like being funny or creative. They just want to fucking make money. So like, they're going to do whatever. That's why you see these weak ass statements that are like just protecting the bottom line, not trying to actually, you know, take action or repent or, or face any sort of reckoning. Yeah. Um, 
Every, so, every, every corporation is taking action and you never hear what the action is because yeah. they just get the statement out right. so that hopefully we can just move on. Where are the action items? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, Rob, you've been, the show's been on hiatus for four weeks now. Uh, so what a time to be on hiatus. Um, mm-hmm. When you guys come back, obviously because, you know, you, you already provide a black and brown perspective on current events and culture, but like how will Jesus and Mero deal with the current, um, the current, repositioning a black lives matter movement into the mainstream when the show returns? I mean, I think that's an open question still. Um, because I mean, I think it all starts with like what do you um, feel and like what they want to do. And I think that's like a complicated question. And obviously I'm not going to like sit here and try to answer that for them, but I think that it's something that they are obviously they're very thoughtful guys. You know what I mean? So I feel like they are very much thinking about like, okay, well, how do we want to, you know, be part of this in a very like public invisible way? Or what is our role in this? I think they're asking themselves those questions and figuring it out. Because as you as as you might like, as anyone can see, like, personally, they are invested in this, like, and being personally invested is a little bit different than like, what your TV show does, you know what I mean? Or at least it's like a separate question as to like, how you marry those two things, like how you how you reconcile how you feel about these things personally and the personal work that you're doing. And like, I think Jesus is like specific. Jesus particularly like, he like contributes to a lot of causes even before all of this. And he does so like quietly and you only find out about it after the fact because someone told you or someone, or someone mentions it or whatever. So I think he's a very like socially like conscientious person and Marrow's the same way. And I think that like they are already, and I think in anything that has to do with this show, it starts with them and Victor kind of like having a conversation about like what they want. And then when they decide what they want, then it's like becomes a conversation about like, how do we make that happen? How do we get the production team on board? And then it becomes a conversation about, well, how do we get Showtime on board? And I think that like, we're still trying to figure out all that out. And we ha- and like, I think that like before we went on hiatus right before and uh, all this stuff uh, popped off, like they were already was talk about like how we're going to engage in like with this stuff and like what makes sense and like what kind of things do we want to highlight and how do we want to make not only things better like in a public facing way but also for our black and brown employees of the show like how are things going to be better for us like how are we going to feel like um empowered to like do shit and like to do good work and to feel good about who we work for and to feel good about the place where we work like our production team has already talked to us about that a little bit. You know what I mean? So I think it's just like a larger conversation that we're definitely having. But I think from my perspective, and this is my opinion only, um, I think it's a tough balance because one part of like entertainment, and I think especially because these Samaro are who they are because they are black men on TV from the Bronx um, who didn't grow up like rich or privileged in that way. Um, part of what comedy and television does is like it entertains people and it like kind of like gives them like energy and like hope. And it gives people like a reprieve from a lot of like the terrible things that are happening in our world. So there's a fine balance between doing that and also like turning a blind eye to what's happening. But And to be clear though, I feel like Jesus and Meryl's comedy has never been like pure escapism though. Right. Cause I think that. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I think you're right about that. I think, and I think that's a good point to point out. I think just from my perspective, it's just hard to like know how much 
like, and I think they're so, they're so good at it that I think it's something that will come easily and natural to them. Like how much, how much medicine do you kind of like slide in with the, with the good shit, you know, with the, with the shit that people want. With the string and cheese. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that like, they're the perfect messengers for this kind of thing because like, and I also think too, that like right now, like shit is going on and people are out in the field. And like, like you guys mentioned last time, like Lucas isn't really in the field right now, for example, like, these people need rest and entertainment and like comfort as more, maybe more than ever before and more than most people. So like, it's not just about like, it's not just about escapism, but it's like, how do we like be a show that like the people who are out there like working for change and like black and brown people who are feeling like the emotional, the emotional heft of everything that's happening. How are we a show that like gives them something good that they can like re-energize themselves yeah. with. It's not an escape, but it's also like a reinforcement of like how much we support them yeah. and how much we support what they're doing and how much we're here for them to represent for them publicly. Like, how do we do all these things? I think are like open questions. You know what I mean? Have you, had, um, have you guys talked about that already? Like had those conversations or is that something that's going to happen when, you know, things start spinning up a bit more? I think we're going to have the actual conversations like in the coming week and like really talk about it and it will be an ongoing conversation, sure. but we start, they, the, our production, our executive producers on the show, they definitely opened the discussion already and said, these are the things that we need to talk about and figure out. And, uh, and, and mostly it was, it was really about, I think from their perspective, especially because, you know, these are older veteran white television people from their perspective, a big thing that they focus on in opening the conversation is that they want to make, you know, they're black and brown employees and people who work on this show and people who make it what it is feel good about what they're doing and feel comfortable and make sure that they're not That's the start. That's the start. And they're not making, they're not like replicating these harms that like Mm. we're starting to see are bigger issues. Um, You know, I think they are really, I think they're sincerely like trying to figure out what they're doing to be, what they can do to be better. And I think that's like where it starts, but then it extends to what we just talked about here. How do you represent that? to a public, to, in a public facing way. Um, I guess like outside of the internal Jesus and Mero kind of staff and family, like do, do you got, does the show still face racism in the industry? Like whether it's just, you know, eye rolling or like more explicit shit, like how does that manifest itself? Um, I think it does just because, and I don't want to say that it's a huge problem because it's been a, an easy enough thing to tune out in some ways and you kind of get used to it. But I think two of the things that make it particularly an issue for Di Samaro, the show, and for Di Samaro, the guys themselves, is that they are, like, very heavily on social media. And that's where, like, you have a direct line to, yeah. like, you racist bullshit or whatever it is, you know, two people. That's what people use social media for. You know what I mean? So I think because, like, they are so entrenched in that, like, culture and in that space, like, and the show is as well, um, we face probably a little more than that than some other shows. You know what I mean? And especially mm-hmm. when it's like, whenever we have, whenever we've had AOC on the show, like people lose. Their oh my shit. God. Oh Jesus. She yeah. Drives, she drives people nuts. Like she just like people who would otherwise not even care about the show enough to like say something racist. Has Trump, like, has Trump ever, has Trump ever mentioned Jesus Marrow or like AOC's appearances on Jesus Marrow? He hasn't. I mean, I'd love him to. I'd love him to. I love some free promo. Um, yeah. the free cloud, dude. Yeah, yeah. The the philosopher future once said. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would love him to. I would love him to do that. But um, he hasn't. Um, I think our biggest public facing controversy we faced so far were from uh, the Swifties, not to reopen that, Taylor Swift game. Oh, that's right. Uh, Really came for uh, Diaz and Mero for a while. I won't get into like it got pretty serious. Like they they obviously Diaz and Mero are like never scared of anything or whatever. But like the people around Diaz and Mero were like, oh, we need to like do something about this. Like these these fans are like really rabid and crazy, and that like didn't go away for a while. So I think that like maybe Donald a Donald Trump mention would spark some of that, which I would welcome personally. Has it gotten like uh, has it, has it ever gotten like actually in your opinion has it ever gotten like actually dangerous um i don't think so but like i think that it's just like whenever people on social media or like stan twitter or whatever you want to call it kind of like mobilizes in a way that like the volume of messages is so great and like there are people that like clearly no one is like actually going to do anything but they are threatening you you know what i mean like verbally threatening you um i think that like it's just like it gets crazy and it gets inconvenient and it's also unpleasant for, you know, guys who are like grown men with families and shit. Um, <laughs> have, they ever, like, have they ever like tried to dox you? Like you, Rob. Have they ever been like, yo, this fucking senior digital producer works what? on Jesus Merrill. His address is, and then what's your address? Yeah, but I feel mm-hmm. but I feel like Rob, like didn't you have controversies with people because of like your avatar, right? Thinking that you were white for a long time. Have we talked about this, right? You've had your own shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's I, I never got too controversial, but it's so funny because like I definitely a lot of people before because like I never used to um show my face at all on the internet for years and years and like I just like people it's kind of like it's kind of like very similar to what Jesus did before me because like he was kind of like that same kind of presence where he was like a faceless person, a dog. He was a dog, Avi. <laughs> he still has it. He still yeah. has it. He still there he is. Yeah. It's cool. Um, but um, so I had a little bit of like pushback on things when people like, but it's mostly strangers who like think I'm white or think I'm actually George Costanza with a fade and AirPods. <laughs> like, so they're like, like I've had like strange, like I've had strangers like tweet at me like that pick back to me as if like you shouldn't talk. This is what you look like. And I'm like, are you fucking stupid? Like, but anyway, um, so I haven't had any like personal controversies that have like gotten so out of hand and I'm not, and I'm sure Diaz and Mero have had their share, but it's not, there's not, uh, it's not for me to speak on like what's going on with them necessarily. So it's all good. So, I mean, I think um, as the show, as a show, we haven't had too many, too many major, uh, roadblocks. So well, it's been going well. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fucking Trump comes at comes at the two kings. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've been there for a year and a half. Like, what's the what's the one specific, uh, you know, whether it's a segment or a project or you know, in the digital world that you're most proud of that you can point to and be like, I fucking did that shit. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm trying to think about it. What do you think uh, we're only going to talk about racism? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk uh, about John. We'll talk about John soon too. I'm sure. I mean, we have a few things that we produce and just like try like, I think a lot of the cool thing about like what we do is like you come up with an idea and then like you figure out like how to overcome the limitations of like your idea or like how to make it happen. How to like turn it from an idea to like a practical thing you do. And like one of the things that we've done with them is we've had them like, um, we figured out like how to have them like kind of like play video games, not in like a live stream setting, but like we take them playing like different video games and we've been trying to do that. And like, we did that with first with like 
that untitled goose game thing. And we did it first with like, and then we did it with like Def Jam fight for New York (laughs) and like the logistics of like turning like that idea into something cool that like is visually interesting is like not just them, like in a Twitch screen or something like that. Um, was definitely like a cool thing. And like, we like, that was the first time that like we'd worked with like green screens. That was like the first time we'd worked with like different, like streaming and recording equipment. So just like a, from a, like a tech, a technical standpoint, like we're really it's like, like, pr- proud like of problem, that. problem solving. Yeah. In real absolutely, time. absolutely. Exactly. You like try, you, you like take an idea and you're like, how do we even shoot that? Like, how do we even figure out like how to make this happen? Like, how do we record all this? How do we make it like funny and like figure that out though? They handle most of that part. Um, Could we get them to play a video game with Chuck? Cause Chuck, I don't know if you want to announce the world, your um, personal passion project well, that's well, happening under uh, the Mar- Fitz umbrella. Well, Meryl's a big war zone person. I'll just say. Before oh my gets, God. Uh, Let's it. get it, dude. Yeah. Yo, so I, love, I, happy. I love war zone. I'm trying to get the, the TF Twitch going. So, I mean, I would be, I would love to connect. What is our Twitch? Yeah. What, is, what is our name on Twitch? Throwing Fits Pod. Throwing Fits Pod. Yeah, let's uh, get some followers. Is that how Twitch works? I don't know. I'm not a nerd. Well, first I gotta. First, you have to unlock subscribers, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to do. So, okay, how do you do that? You just, you just, you just game. You have to, there's game, a, bro. There's a lot of stats you have to hit. You have to uh, stream every day of the week. What? Like every 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 calendar day. You have to have like an every, average. Every of- every calendar day versus. So every, every three day weekend, you not like, be gaming. no, 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 not like every single day, but like you have to stream on like a Monday of Tuesday. That's what I mean. got it. Got it. Got it. And you have to have like an average of so many viewers. There's, there's some hoops. There's some hoops. There's some I bureaucracy. On, I, I plan on somersaulting through all of them. So damn fuck Jeff Bezos. You know, the vibes. Yeah. That too. <laughs> what about, um, let's go negative Rob. What's some shit <laughs> you've done. That was a fucking brick that you're just like ashamed of. <laughs> Uh, me personally, I'm not ashamed of anything I've ever done in my life. So, I mean, I'm, <laughs> you've I'm, never I'm, taken I'm, an L. No hell losses. Yeah. Hell yeah. Not, not that I can recall. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of, it, of anything that I, that I've done and I'm, I'm trying to think about it, but I, I feel pretty good on that. So I have nothing, nothing that I've done. I feel, so, I feel so no regrets professionally at all. Uh, no, I mean, I, I would say the one thing I always say is that like, I wish I had like kind of figured out a lot of this shit sooner. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the things that I wanted to do and like the career path that I wanted to take and like just different decision-making shit. But also like, I also think that, I mean, and also we're like kind of in like the same age group. So like, uh, I think a lot of the shit that we're working on now, like all of us like didn't exist when we were like 22 anyway, you know what I mean? So as much as I wish that like I had gotten shit started a little bit earlier and that I had like kind of like dropped out of the law thing a little bit earlier, like that's the only thing I point to, but also just like all the experiences I've had and like all the shit that I've like gone through is like all what makes whatever is happening now that's good in my life. Like that's what makes that happen too. So yeah, I can't complain. Um, I mean, at its heart, Jesus Mero, you know, or not at its heart, but a, a significant por- portion of it is an interview show. Who's been your favorite guest that's come on the show? Um, I think I got to say that, like, one of the best, most entertaining interviews, and he went, like, I think, like, the extended version was probably, like, 45 minutes. I got to give it to John Mulaney. Mm. Uh, John Mulaney. John Mulaney. I got to nice. say, yeah, I got to say, I am not the biggest fan of like stand up comedy as like an art form at all. Like, I kind of hate it, honestly. Really? Um, 
Yeah, that's like one of the things that like I, it's a weird thing to say, but like I might as well out myself at. at Wait, why? Out why? Like, Do you hate laughing? Just, Do you hate joy? I I like I like funny things, but I kind of hate comedy because I just think that like in general, <laughs> like I like funny things that I hate comedy, and I say that because like it's just so much bad comedy out there. Sure. Like, to the point where like I know there's good comedy too. And I know there's good stand-up too, and I understand that, and I understand the difference, and I even know some people who are good at it. Um, but I just think that like there's just so much bad comedy, and like I don't know, as an industry. Too, so what you're I saying, like, Rob? What you're saying is there's a couple bad apples ruining it for you? <laughs> I mean, there's a couple bad apples that are ruining it for me. I mean, just like the police, right? Like there's a couple. They, Yo, it's, they uh... It's yeah. fucking, it's ACAB. All comedians are, are bastards. Yeah. De- de- yeah. Defund the stand-up, dude. Oh, well, yeah. God, like, deep, deep, defund improv comedy. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's, just, it's just one of my things, and I know that's... Like, well, improv sucks. Fun. Improv isn't stand-up. Yeah, right. It isn't, but it's all in the same family as shit, in my opinion. Um, wow. Damn, dude. It's, I'm just saying that, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, Wait, I, how much, how much bad... Why do you watch bad? Like, how much? If something's bad, just like I would just if if there's like bad stand up, I would just like change the channel or like go to good stand up. At, at, at this point, I avoid it, but I don't even need to watch good stand up at this point. Like the funny things will eventually filter their way to me somehow. That's true, and that's sure. fine. Because even think about what Jesus and Mero do. Like Jesus and Mero are funny guys, and like they are considered in comedy. They might even be called or considered comedians. I don't. I've never really heard them refer to themselves as that, but. They, what they do is like a lot different than what a John Mulaney does, for example. And I yeah. like John Mulaney, you know what I mean? And I think that he's genuinely a funny person. But I would watch them interview John Mulaney for an hour over even watching John Mulaney do stand-up for an hour. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's that kind of thing where it's like, I would love to watch funny people talking to each other or listen to podcasts where funny people I was going to say, like I think there's a... Himself. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're a big podcast guy. What about I mean, John I'm, Mulaney? What about John Mulaney got you going? He's just with, sorry. What about John genu- Mulaney? John Mulaney with Jesus and Merrill got you going. He's just a genuinely funny person. He's not like one of these guys who's like trying to be like, yeah, like snapbacks and throwbacks and like all this shit, like trying to like kind of ingratiate himself to Jesus and Merrill, which like <laughs> you kind of see sometimes, and I think they deal with it very gracefully. But you kind of see like people trying to like kind of like do this thing where they're like i'm on a black tv show like right. uh, i got who, i gotta who, like who, who, yeah, who, yeah who, who's uh the culprit that you don't say bernie don't say bernie <laughs> not, get, not getting into it no bernie bernie definitely was not that bernie somehow got older and more jewish like, yeah, right. like old. he was just like more he got more new york if anything what were the, what were the sneakers that they showed him and he's like what these are going for what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they the showed, I think they, they showed them. I it think was offline Jordan the Ones. They, sh- they showed them those. They also showed them, uh, I think, the Red Octobers. Yeah, maybe. that's what I remember. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think they showed them the Red Octobers last because that was like the biggest price tag one. And then they had a guy, um, um, shout out to, I believe his name is Sparks, Sparks Customs. Um, they had him make a Bernie Sanders New Balance. Shoot. <laughs> um, which you can find pics of online and video of online which is pretty which is pretty cool but um he uh yeah he definitely he did not like uh he did not like sneaker shopping with Jesus Namero <laughs> so you're obviously not you're you're too professional and too good of a guy to ever call out 
a guest who is really hamming it up in a performative way, but has there right. been like a least favorite that you want to share? <laughs> um, that interview hasn't aired yet and probably won't. And I'll just leave it at that. Wow. Wow. Ooh. So something was so bad that it, it got wiped. No, that's not why it got, that's not why it got wiped. Oh. And I'm not even sure that it is wiped. It's just like other reasons and like logistical things, but there's definitely a like, I just think, and again, it like it a little bit has to do with like this comedy thing where like, I think that like people are a little bit intimidated in some ways because like these Samara are funny guys, but more than that, it's just very much like I'm on the cool black TV show. So mm. I got to like relate to the kids and relate to the, like the, the, the hood, you know what I mean? And like they Joe Biden, like, it was Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Joe Biden. It wasn't Joe Biden. I he mean, was, he, I mean, he got interviewed already. Was, yeah. He got interviewed and I, and I watched the whole thing in full and you know, he he definitely, (laughs) he definitely put on, he definitely started, uh, you know, talking jive at the very end. Yeah. (laughs) As George said, he was bebopping all over the place (laughs) Uh, a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't egregious. It was more like, that's something you would expect of someone running for president. You know what I mean? In some ways. Yeah. Pandering. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was in the acceptable political pandering scale of it. It didn't yeah. feel yeah. Uh, scummy and sure. racist. You sure. know, what I mean, mean that is that is a true occupational hazard. Actually, I mean, yeah. I, I was obviously sure. I was looking for a reason to hate him even more. So, like, I, I when I yes. you know, latched onto that, but you know, he was clearly just you know kissing hands and shaking babies. Um, mm-hmm. Who would be your dream celebrity to have on the show, or not celebrity guest? Dream guest to be on the show let me think again i'm drawing a blank i'm sorry i told myself i wasn't going to do that um, <laughs> future but future i think is uh interesting but i also think because like we tried to do something with him and it fell through huh. um we had we had it almost almost ready to go and we actually ended up um because we were going to be we were going to go to atlanta and shoot a couple things and he was going to be one of the one of the things they were going to go, I guess it's okay to say this. I mean, they were going to go to a basketball game with him and we got into some logistical issues with the NBA um, who, who initially approved the idea. And then I think we had some logistical issues with it, but we ended up getting some good shit in Atlanta anyway, because we went down um, to interview Missy, which was incredible. And she was one of my favorite guests because again, so very cool, like a legendary person who's uh, done a lot. Um, just, just like I don't know, there's like there are people that you can't really say anything about because like saying it would be underselling it. You know sure. what I mean? And Miss is definitely one of those people. So I would love to I would I would love to do some more stuff with her. I think she's well, great because I think she's also she's a true icon, she's a brilliant musician, but she's also just like very funny and kind. And I think that no, comes she, across. She's she's this past year, I feel like, has kind of come out as a very funny online personality and done shit like mm-hmm. We had Guap Dad on uh, in, mm-hmm. I guess, February or whatever. And he had, yeah. she had just, like, been going back and forth with him. And it's one of yeah. those people that you don't expect her to be, like, so good at the internet, but was clearly just kind of lurking in the background and, and came to the fore for whatever reason, like, right now. What, sure, about, uh, sure. what about Jason Alexander? <laughs> Jason Alexander is interesting because I feel like now when people interview him, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like he talks a lot about how like Seinfeld kind of like fucked up his career a little bit because like obviously it was this huge hit but like he doesn't really he had a hard time I think getting out of like being typecast and like doing other shit I think he was on that that uh that Amazon the Maisel Maisel shit right he was on that 
I was pretty the sure. The Marvelous Maisel. Miss Maisel? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on that. So, again, he probably was a little bit typecast considering the content of that show. Um, but I don't know if he would be that fun, but it would be interesting to see the dynamic between him and, like, Diaz de Mero, like, doing I just meant, No, I just meant with you just being like, oh, yeah, what up? I'm, a, I'm young Costanza. <laughs> Um, the only moments where I've had like weird, like I wanted to like go up and like introduce myself to that person and like wanted that person to know who I was, was, uh, uh, I met Steve Buscemi at like an awards show. Fire. And and I think that was just like a great fire. Like I'm sure after this, we're going to find out that he like is secretly in the clan or some shit. No, don't say that, (laughs) dude. Don't, don't fucking bring that into existence. Motherfucker. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just scared to say anything good about white people right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. He's a good guy though. I think that he was profiled, like his wife died and then he kind of like, just became this like hermit that just like painted in his fucking park salt brown. Talk about the GQ profile. Yeah. 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 It's fire. What, do you have a favorite? Work? Do you have a favorite Buscemi like role? Were you able to meet him at the award show? What, what, what was the interaction? I was just able to like go by and like shake his hand and say like I'm a huge fan, which I'm like clearly like not. But um, <laughs> he's not in the usual suspects, by the way. <laughs> what a movie am I thinking about that he was in? Holy Fargo, Con Air, Con Air. Think of no, Fargo? We got to do this. We got to we got to edit this to make me look less stupid. But like, we're going to take a moment right now to like go through um, uh, Reservoir Dogs. What the fuck am I saying? Yeah, that's the movie I was thinking about. Reservoir Dogs is great. He was incredible in Boardwalk Empire, which I think is an underrated uh, underrated show. Fargo. Yeah, you see, I, I know Steve Buscemi. I guess that little. I always <laughs> yeah. confuse Reservoir Dogs and Usual Suspects. Um, is he? Is he? Because obviously, it's a very unique. Uh, face but is he, i've heard that he's actually handsome in real life Ooh, is that wrong i think he's a very because i think people would say like you said he has an unusual face or he's like kind of like the fugly guy or whatever character he's actor. a very he's a, yeah he's a character actor he's a very normal looking guy i think just by hollywood standards he's probably a, a go or but like <laughs> i think that's like what goes back to saying about like all the shit that goes into like filming something to make it look normal like yeah. if when you watch a TV show and you see someone who is like conventionally attractive, but not like movie actor attractive, you notice it. Like all the girls that get um, converted into like, who start out as the nerdy girl at high school who become like the beautiful swan that emerges at the end of the movie. They're already beautiful at the start because right. that's as much, that's as much as we can handle watching TV. Like, I don't know at what point in the world we decided that in TV and movies, we couldn't see regular looking people in like large numbers because it's like offensive to us. But now it's like jarring. <laughs> yeah, now if you yeah. see a normal looking person, it's jarring. But any actor that's been in more than two things is good looking. And I mean, I you believe know what I mean? The New Yorker has it on record that me and Lawrence are just two average looking guys. Yeah. But yeah. We're, we're hotter in person and you'll see when you meet, when you meet us, I guess, if anyone yeah. is listening and wondering. I think, I think their fact checker was drunk uh, yeah, when, they, when, they, when they were doing that one. But um. Rob, so you mentioned this. You've been on break for the last four weeks. I don't know. Like, you had the best fucking job of all time. What have you been doing all day? Um, what have I been doing all day? Um, a lot of a lot of like following the news for better or worse. Mm. Uh, so there's that. A lot of like staying in the fucking apartment because I'm just like it's ever since all of this started, even with this break. Um, like I've probably been out of my apartment like half a dozen times. Uh, or or so. Um, yeah, my girlfriend does all the grocery shopping and shit, and like she's 
now started like working her studio a little bit um, here and there because she's like by herself there so she can like stay away from other people. Um, but like I've been in and out of the apartment not that much and I like, I don't mind it. Like I'm okay with that. But um, What neighborhood do you live in? Uh, downtown Brooklyn. Oh, that's right. Near Lucas. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He lives on the next street. Have you been, 90, so you've been linking with no homies? Or? No, I haven't. Not virtually, I guess, but like uh, not in person because like I just, not that I'm like, I'm not that freaked out by all this, but I also now I've gotten to a point of like self-quarantine where like I don't really know how to be around other people. Like, <laughs> like I don't even know what people are doing out there. Like I don't know what social customs are anymore. Like I right. don't you're, do, really you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. You've divorced yourself completely from society and you're going to enter back in at some point in the future. But as it stands right now, you're fucking on lockdown. No, it stay still Absolutely. 2020. Yeah. Stay still Pretty, 2020. Pretty much. And I think that like, that's okay because like in some ways, like I think like completely isolating myself would be a bad thing, obviously, but like, it's kind of nice to like take a break from like all the social shit because like, it's all good and important. And I love being around people that I love but it's also like sometimes it becomes like noise and like just more clutter and like, it's good to take a break. Like I'm ready to like actually be social again and like see people and shit, especially like now it's just like, it's hard with everything going on to like, um, they're bigger issues, but like togetherness is like a big thing that's like lacking in most of our lives right now in like a very difficult time in our lives. So, um, I'm definitely ready to get back to that, but at the same time I'm okay. Speaking of the bigger issues, have the recent protests and calls for change, um, you know, not, you haven't been out protesting, that's fine. Everyone, you know, engage with this stuff differently. Have, have, has the massive social upheaval in the past few weeks, has that kind of relit your inner fire? And like, how, how have you been getting active? Um, I think it has because like, in a lot of ways, it's bringing like a lot of issues to the forefront. Not police brutality, not even police violence and all those things. Like, I think we're all, especially living in New York, all of us, like we're all well-versed in like how fucked up NYPD is and how fucked up, like just the the concept of policing is and how it's actually executed. Like we understand that's fucked up, but like, I think that all this has sparked a lot of like good new learning for me and for all of us, like about like what prison abolition means, what it means to defund and abolish the police. Like, um, a concept that like I probably didn't hear of as called this or, and I might even be kind of like misdescribing it a little bit, but just like the concept of like mutual aid as like a larger scale thing that we can do as a community that we don't need to like depend on large institutions and large charities sure. and like five you know, someone said, someone said on Twitter, uh, my homies are doing a better job at redistributing wealth than the government. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that concept is like so crazy. And like, is that I've been, it's opened my eyes to that, even though I know that like academics and activists have been like talking about this shit for a decade. You know what I mean? Like are like, have been talking about abolishing the police for decades. And like, now this conversation is like a little bit more in the mainstream. And we can now look at it as like a legitimate like goal and not like a pipe dream or something that's like an extreme position. Like, I think that's kind of like what's opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I think that like mutual aid has been such a, like the, the concept of it at all, like whether it's giving to a small organization, whether it's giving to a larger charity, whether it's giving to like someone, you know, that is like having trouble, like making the rent or like 
you know, feeding themselves because of like everything else that's going on beyond the protests, beyond the racial shit, like that, like spirit of like community and being part of something larger and just being able, and like, I'm lucky I've been, I've been employed through this whole thing pretty much. You know what I mean? Um, so like basically saying like that this just like mutual aid and also this idea that like all of us have a role to play and there's all there's there's always something that you can do as an individual to help the like overall larger movements like it's such a it's such a like a, a blessing to like it's like i think the biggest good thing that's come out of like a lot of pain and a lot of violence and a lot of death and a lot of fucked up shit like our i guess like communities realizing their own power is like yeah. What the big takeaway from all of this is what I'm getting and what makes me feel um, hopeful about shit. Speaking of uh, fucked up shit, like you've worked in the media and obviously I'm sure you've been like keeping up with the media reckoning that's happening with all these publications. Uh, are you surprised at all? And like what kind of shit would you throw out there to maybe like, you know, uh, have that conversation about changing things there for the better? Um, I think media companies suffer from a lot of the same shit that like we talked about earlier when talking about like television networks and just like large corporations in general. It's not to excuse it and not to make it like okay, but like the racial problems and like the lack of diversity and the lack of like valuing um black people and like the uh conversations around like profiting and taking like black art and like black culture and like being able to do that on one hand and being able to like dismiss and mistreat your black, black employees with your other hand, like all those things are like just larger symptoms than like how we do business in America. You know what I mean? It's not, and again, that's not to like minimize these specific racial issues, these specific gender issues that like these specific like harms that like people face by working for these companies, you know what I mean? And like by how things are, how things are done, but it's like, it's a larger problem in like every industry and media is just like, I think such a, such a touch point for all these problems because media is supposed to be this like liberal, well-meaning, like we love black culture. We love music. We love diversity. It's supposed to be kind of like a feel good industry, but that's the grift. That's the grift, baby. That's the grift. Exactly. It's like, it has all the same problems. And sometimes maybe worse than like an Amazon has, you know what I mean? Like, except that like they're lying to our faces about it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that like, it's, Hey Alexa, hire more black people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it starts very easily. Like why does it have to be a thing that people are fighting for to get paid the same, to get same sure. opportunities as people doing the same jobs? Like it's crazy. And I think that media is just like, reckoning with this now because like the thing that makes media powerful and it's like dissemination of information and how they can portray this like favorable um stance on like black people and black culture the 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 flip side of that is it's very easy for media savvy people social media savvy people as well to like shine the light on them and point out the hypocrisy and like the power you know Right. And because that hypocrisy exists in media in a very specific way and in a very public, um, very easy to see, very visible way, that's why they're getting their asses handed to them. Because like, it's like, and, and to say getting their asses handed to them is kind of light because who knows what actually is going to happen after all of this. Sure. Like, there is no after, but like, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if steps will be taken? Who knows who's really going to like heed the message and who's going to just kind of wait till this all dies down in their mind? 
Like, who knows what's going to happen? But are like, you optimistic? Um, I am cautiously optimistic. I'll say. I think that, like, again, I think the bigger thing is, regardless of what corporations decide to do, regardless of like what a lot of the people in power want to do, regardless of the people who don't support like these movements and like don't see the issues that are right in front of all of our faces every day. Again, I'll say that like communities, everyone are like realizing that we don't need these people to like make shit happen. Like we need them to an extent, but like, we're not going to like have a media company's inaction on this stuff. Stop us from acting, from giving, from mutual aid, from like promoting the right causes, from speaking truth to power and for publicizing this shit. You know what I mean? We're not, that's not going to stop us just because, the XYZ company is not going to do anything about this shit. You your know? gatekeepers are your, your gatekeepers are washed. They're irrelevant. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. We can do this shit ourselves. We don't need the government to do shit for us because they're not doing shit for us. We don't need like these corporations to do shit for us. We're asking them to because it's the right thing to do and it will in the long run help them as well. But if they Hey man, don't, hey, like, hey, hey. Where are the quarterly report and the shareholders report, you know, where's the where's the line for that? So yeah that's what we've been preaching like don't expect these motherfuckers to do the right thing they will not do right. it they have never do it they've yeah. never done it. excuse me so you have to do it yourself that's the i thing, don't got right? i don't got friends i got shareholders <laughs> right uh, and if they and if they do and if they do make positive change like good for them but like don't expect it don't right. like wait for it yeah don't like don't like let that be the cause of your inaction because you're waiting for somebody to change their minds or to do the fucking right thing. Like that's like not a reason to like change what you do in your everyday life as one person. Yeah. Hold them accountable, but like be realistic. And, and obviously I think this idea um, of taking the power into your own hands and doing what you physically yourself can do, or not, maybe not physically, but anything that you can do, I think that is the path forward. And it seems like more people are realizing that now than ever before, which, you know, if anything comes out of, out of this, that is an amazing paradigm shift in the thinking of people. That is impressive. At least good people. We shall absolutely, see. Absolutely. Rob, you're one half of the best DJ duo in New York city. No losses. Let's talk about the racism that uh, kind of piggybacking off what Lucas mentioned last time. Obviously racism is rife in the nightlife space how has it manifested itself in your time DJing with no losses? Um, I think it's probably manifested in the, in the same way that you might expect. Like, um, a lot of it happens at the door, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't think that, yeah, exactly. And I think that like, it's a little bit strange because, or it like seems a little counterintuitive because like, obviously, um, oftentimes the guy working the door, is black or yeah. Latino or, or, you know, a person of color or whatever. And you think that like, that might make a difference, but I think that's like kind of a weird thing to say about that is that like that, like relationship or that um, context of like the door of like some club or bar or whatever the fuck, like it kind of mirrors like what happens in America at large. We're not saying that like, the big problem is individual bad actors, individual racist people or like bad meaning people. It's the systems and like the structures that like these people are hired to uphold. And in some ways, the doorman is a microcosm of that. The doorman is like supposed to be like, it's like that shit in um, that fucking movie uh, where the guy was like, he's only allowed to let in like one and a half black people every night. 
at the club. I think it was fucking oh, like you're, knocked you're, up or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's knocked up. It's, or forty, no, forty yeah. year old, forty year old virgin? No, knocked up, knocked, knocked up, up. Knocked, up. knocked up, knocked up. I I was wondering which one of those two was too Craig Robinson. Yeah, it's Craig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So like, was, was Steve Buscemi in that? <laughs> yeah. Steve Buscemi was also yes in yeah. that. You know, <laughs> he played he played Nookie Thompson. Um, <laughs> I did it all but, for the Nookie Thompson baby. Yes, exactly. So how do we? Um, how, so if if it's if it's you know uh, a symptom of the larger of the larger system, like how do we kind of how does the larger system help eradicate racism and empower you know black creatives in the nightlife space? Um, in the nightlife space, it's tough because like again, it kind of has the same issue that like media companies have, where like all right, like they are down to hire, you know, black DJs to play black music. And like, they're all good on that side of the equation. But then when it comes to like how you treat your black patrons, like that's an issue. When it comes to how you pay your black DJs, that becomes an issue. Like, and I can't say that like some of these issues don't happen to other groups as well, as far as like maybe, and like nightlife and nightlife specifically is kind of like, a notoriously at least by reputation and notoriously like scummy business absolutely you know what I mean? so like and for whatever reason i won't speculate on like why that is but like that's just that's just like what it is you know what i mean so i think that like again it goes like to who you hire and who you manage and like how you see these things is just not like um like how you see a dress code that's like loosely enforced or like selectively enforced or how you see um, cultivating an exclusive feeling door are like not really the uh, priorities that they once were or they shouldn't be. And I think it takes like people who are in nightlife, people who have the capital to open clubs and to open restaurants and to open bars and to like uh, venues that like book DJs and like book acts or whatever to really look at like these priorities and these kind of like uh, antiquated ways of doing nightlife that come from, you know, these fucking people thinking that they're Ian Schrager or they're, you know, <laughs> you know fucking that, people. Yeah. That think that they're like, they're the new, yeah. uh, like studio 54 or whatever. Right. And like they, they saw, they saw the studio 54 documentary once and like <laughs> got a fucking hard on over it and like started being like kingpin nightlife dickhead. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's just like, that's just, that's, that's old shit. Like that's just like, I don't, you're not going to get the zoomers when they're of age to like, come to patronize your fucking business. You know what I mean? And I think they need to, if they need to look at it as a business decision to make them do the right thing, then, then look at it as a business decision, you know? I mean, it goes without saying that, you know, nightlife has pretty much been on hold for a minute now, um, which is, you know, put a pause on no losses. So just, you know, speaking about just the no losses duo, like what's next for you guys? What do you have planned when shit opens back up again? Say in a safe Uh manner. I don't know. But again, like if when it comes to a point and like, obviously it's like low priority, but like if it comes to a point where like whenever that point is in the future, when we can like be DJing again and doing shit, I would just like love to do it because like I missed that experience. You know what I mean? Like I missed like hanging out with my friends and like sure. playing music and like that aspect of it is literally like what's good. It's definitely not the money because like there's, <laughs> right. not, a lot of, 
there's not a lot of it in there, and it's definitely not like you're, wait, you're saying. Really, you're saying it's not the net ninety checks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like fucking freelancing for these media companies. It's like yeah. I gotta wait. I gotta wait ninety days for you to send me a hundred dollar check. Like, <laughs> yeah. I gotta wait. I, I gotta wait th- till next season. Yeah, to get yeah, to exactly. get my drink tickets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, and meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, you didn't even give me any drink tickets. So I already spent whatever you were gonna pay me anyway. I gave it right back to you. So just keep the check anyway. <laughs> Are there um, are there any venues particularly that have done great by no losses that you're like really excited to 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 start spinning in again or spinning at rather? Like uh, let's shout let's shout out the good guys. Where when things open up, where should we be fucking partying, Rob? Yeah, That's what's a big what's a big gas slapper? Yeah, my G. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done anything with. I mean, Lucas has done more with them than I have, like as an individual. But like elsewhere space was always great in Brooklyn. Um, nowadays as well has always been great. Like I know, I don't know if they've had like any issues that I'm unaware of, but I know sure. that both those places try to be very much like community oriented community spaces. And like, they try to do the right thing, which is better than I can say for a lot of places. I'll say uh, that much about it. Um, yeah. I think that like, those are the two places that I think, um, more than anywhere else that I've been kind of have nailed it as far as like how they operate as a, as a business that's like public facing and how they operate as a business that like caters to people of color, to queer people, that sort of thing. Like, it's just not like, and I, I think it's hard. It, 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 I don't know for what reason, but it seems to be hard to replicate those kind of things in nightlife or it had been. So I hope that they like that those businesses like survive all this and like sure. come back with the veterans. And I'd share that like because of like everything that's going on right now, they'll come out with some if they're still around, they'll come back with like some new renewed focus and energy on like everything that's happening. Is uh playing music with friends for friends what you miss the most about pre quarantine life? And if not, I would love to know what you're kind of jonesing for the hardest right now. Even if you're kind of like okay with uh being cooped up in your Fortress of Solitude. Newt to cooped yeah. up. I think that's definitely one of the one of the top things that I miss for sure. Um, but I also think it's just like being around people, like I think is the hardest part. Like, cause you can't, cause even if you, you do meet up and you do things like you can't kind of like be around people in the same way right. that you're used to. Like you, you can't really make plans in the same ways that you used to and like do the same thing. So like, can't, I can't think smooch I the homies. Yeah. Right. Tough. Exactly. So I think I just can't, I can't, um, I miss that the most. And also like, which is like a petty thing, all things considered, I miss like getting dressed and like wearing clothes and going outside and people seeing me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just like, I have so You many can go grocery you. shopping with your girlfriend, Rob. You know that. I, I mean, I could, but like, you know, I, I just, <laughs> yeah. Like, Did I, you have anything to fit on that? Like I, at least, at least she gets to see me and like, I can do that. But like, it just seems like I'm wasting the fit on grocery shopping at like a limited capacity grocery store. So I'm not getting the eyeballs. I'm not getting the ratings that I'm used right. to get. You, you, you want asses fits. in the seats. I get it. Right. Did you so have fit saved ass. up for, did you have fit saved up for the summer? Mm. Um, I didn't really, but I think early on when this was all starting before it even was really a thing, like in the very beginning of March, um, I was like, damn, I can't wait till like it gets a little warmer out, you know, all this shit and like all these things or whatever, whatever. I didn't have anything really saved up, but like at the beginning of all this, as one does when you're bored and cooped up, you start shopping a little bit online 
and you do a little bit of that and then you get the stuff and then you're like all right can't wait to wear this one this will be over in a month hopefully uh, i can't wait to wear this and then you realize that this shit ain't gonna be over for a while yeah damn so i better start I buying i better start getting some winter clothes <laughs> No, literally, like, some of the shit that I, like, I have, like, or that I've purchased is, like, shit that I wouldn't even be wearing right now anyway because I feel like summer's a little bit canceled and, like, the year's a little bit whatever. Next time I'm out wearing clothes, yeah. it'll be... I saw somebody somebody tweeted that, like, um, because of all this, he was like, my shoes probably think I died. Like, <laughs> that, that, that's how I feel. I'm just, like, I'm just, like, I'm just, like, looking at, like, my shoe rack over there, like, longing to... To wear nor wear shoes and like well, be dressed. Besides getting a fucking gigantic fit off, what is the first thing you're doing? Let's just say that there's a vaccine, everyone gets it, uh, COVID ends, and and op- outside opens back up tomorrow. What's the first thing you're doing? Oh man, what's the first thing I'm doing? I mean, I, again, petty petty things that we've been deprived of that aren't important in the long scheme of things. I definitely am going to like go out and get a meal at a restaurant, like get a lavish meal, mm. eat good, go out afterwards to a different location, drink good, mm. go out to my third location, be out all night. Like I would love to just have like one big night out when like shit is safe to do that. Because yeah. like, I think how Rob got his groove back. Right. Leading up to all this, I think I was scaling back on that shit because I was just like, it's just like the natural flow thing. Not permanently, but just like, you know, you like kind of were chilling or like you're busy with work and like you're doing different shit and like your life is changed a little bit. Um, so you're like not really doing stuff and like maybe opportunities aren't presenting themselves in that way. But um, I miss, I just, I would love to do that. I would just love to like be out, like going out is like a thing I would love. That was one of the first things I would love to do. I'd love to go out and be out. Like, and when you guys get a restaurant in mind, like, or a bar in mind? Um, I don't have a restaurant or bar in mind, but I would love to go a party at Elsewhere Space. I would love to go to Nowadays, which is out deep in the fucking boonies of Brooklyn on that Queens border anyway. Like, so I definitely am committed to, like, that's how much I want to do this, that I would go out there for this shit. Um, I don't have a specific restaurant in mind, but I, I live near a lot of good restaurants in the neighborhood, like neighborhood spots, like Henry Public and like uh, Chamois, like a couple places along Atlantic Avenue. Like, I, I like those places and I'd love to sit down in them again. So sure. go to like the local spots that like I'm used to going to. When you start, sure. uh, when you start uh, DJing again, what is the first song you're going to throw on? Fuck, I was thinking about this the other day, even though it's like kind of like an old, it's like not that new or whatever, but my dad gave me a USB key that's full of like, like old, very like, very dad-like, but also modern like soca and reggae songs. Mm, like hundreds oh shit. Hundreds. <laughs> so I've just been like, like going through this, which is great because like he has great taste in music. So I've just been going through all the like dad jams and like, try to figure out how to fashion something out of those. So I'm just like, I'm definitely pulling up some pulling up with the, with the, with the West Indian, uh, West, West Indian, West Indian representation. When I get a chance to, I'll say it that way. That West Indian smoke dude. And everybody can catch it when Rob is on the fucking ones and twos dog. Exactly. Besides, um, besides kind of, besides kind of reeducating or re, uh, familiarizing yourself with like the dad, Soka reggaeton, Mm -hmm. how, 
have you like self-improved at all during quarantine? It seems like you've kind of been in the crib, just uh, thinking about a lot of shit, learning about a lot of shit. But like, how else have you kind of like become a better, a better YC, if at all? Or maybe you haven't. Maybe you're, maybe you're just trash. I don't know. <laughs> Fucked up I mean, in the crib I- thinking about things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just thinking about stuff. Um, I think that like when this all first started, like in early March, like I tried to like not get in that mindset of like, okay, we're going through this quarantine. We're going through this situation. Now I have to read every book and like see every movie and like learn Spanish. And like, <laughs> I try not to get caught up in that because like, I think it's very easy when you suddenly have time on your hands to like overwhelm yourself with all the shit you think you should be doing. And I tried very hard not to like do that when it, this all started. And I think that like, I want to be able to like use my time productively, but I think just like the focus on productivity in general, when we're going through a global pandemic and now when we're going through like, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a racial, a racial awakening for a bunch of people who clearly like didn't know or didn't understand what was going on all this time. Like productivity should be something that we shouldn't pressure ourselves or other people to worry about. So when I started out with that, I started out with that mindset and I kind of stuck to it. But then as it kind of like extended on further, I thought extended on further and like lasted a little bit longer. Um, One of the things that I just tried to like get a handle on, which I think is like, it's everyone's personal choices. I try to get a handle on like, just like eating better and like cooking and like eating healthier and like trying to like, trying to like look and feel better for myself. And like, it's just a good time to do that because it's like, you have so much, like you're, you're so quarantined away that you have like a lot of control over like what you're doing. And like, I've tried to like exercise and like do that sort of thing. So like, that's really the only thing I was focused on, which is like kind of like a, a weird thing to say, because it's like, I feel like basically the long and short of it is like in this quarantine, I've like taken time to dedicate myself to vanity. but it's health it's really a health thing but it's also just like you don't look good and you don't feel good and like that sort of thing i'm just trying to get my head around that 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 aspect of life because it's like it's easy to focus on that right now because it's like literally something that you have total control over while you're in quarantine so yeah i just been focused on like eating better and like exercising yeah that's just that's better man play good get paid good yeah, I don't think that's vain, you know? I mean, I get that mm-hmm. there's, there's, you know, elements of that. But yeah, I mean, yo, this Rob, if this show is about anything, it is about self-improvement, it is about self-betterment, right. and it is about fucking friendship, baby. Absolutely, and I think, that, like, I think that's, a, that's a good thing to be about, especially right now. And we're all friends here, Rob, so why don't you fill us in on what trash behavior you've been exhibiting during yeah. quarantine? Yeah, yeah. How, talk, uh, yeah, how scummy have you gotten yeah. at how, your worst? How do you, how do you suck? <laughs> uh, what, how do I suck? Obviously, um, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Uh, the consumption of marijuana has gone. Ooh. The, this, the marijuana stocks are buzzing by me, my <laughs> consumption alone. Damn, uh, stocks. Roger that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me, me, me and Charlie are economies. Uh, unto ourselves, scale. you know. What I mean? yeah. A scale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you how do you consume your marijuana? Yeah, what's the uh, what's the play? Uh, call me call me old fashioned, but I like to smoke it. <laughs> uh, uh, papers, you know? Yeah, flour. Papers. Flour. I, I usually do papers. I sometimes do the the little uh, little little glass pipe. Oh Ooh. wow! You know, a little lazy. Um, do that. Um, I I started making edibles because like. You make what, them. what else do I have to do? Yeah, I make edibles. 
uh, sometimes. So that's the easy thing to do because, like, I live with my girlfriend and I, like, she doesn't love, you know, the the, the stench of smelling like an, uh, smelling and looking like an opium den in the apartment. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's, that's all good. So we, so we like to, we like to imbibe with the, uh, with the edibles. What was um, the most delicious thing that you, that you cooked? Um, we usually just make cookies. We keep it, we keep it, uh, classic chocolate yeah. chip cookie. Nice. Okay. Um, can't go is, it hard to con- is it hard to control the strength of making your own edibles? Cause like, I think the only time I tried to make edibles was like high school. We just fucking dumped a bunch of weed in a pot, but now it's like, when you buy it, it's like, this is five milligrams of THC. This is 10. This is 20. This, you know, like, how does, yeah. how does the homemade shit work now? Well, I mean, again, because you have all the time in the world, like, you have a lot of time to experiment. So, um, not that I, I mean, I used, to, I used to make edibles, like, I've been making edibles for, like, a long time. Not, like, regularly uninterrupted, but, like, I know how to do it. Mm. Um, I've been doing it for a while, but, like, ha- not having done it in a while and now being a good opportunity to do that. Um, you kind of just like experiment. Like I have a general idea of like how shit works and how strong things will be, but it is definitely like a little bit hit or miss. Like I kind of yeah. like, I try to keep every element of the process the same. And then you adjust one thing, you know, you do a little controlled a little var- controlled variable. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You I guess you could say I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. The great, so, the great Flatbush bake off. Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, I, I try to I try to handle it that way, where like you make little tweaks. But now after like batch four or five, I I think I I, I got a handle on how to do it. Fire. All right, Rob. We want to move on to the second topic of this podcast. We're off. We're done talking about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, what was once a gauche subject, it is now mm. very chic and in vogue to radical, be transparent. transparent. Yep. yep. About your salary and money and your financials. So in the second topic, which again, we're always just ahead of the fucking curve. Yeah. We're going to ask mm-hmm. you in the section on money, how much money do you make? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that I make in the low six figures. Mm. Okay. And I will say that I am happy with that. Not Does your salary enough. start with a nine? <laughs> With a nine. No, it's not. Eight. Stop, stop, me, stop me when I'm right. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Uh, five? Keep, no, keep going. Keep going. No, sorry, you know what? I'm going in to, the, in, the, in, the, in the interest of radical honesty, I will tell you exactly what the number is. And I will tell, and I'll explain it first. In that in TV, or at least how I understand it works, and maybe I'm getting fucked here, um, you, get paid, you, get paid, you get paid a rate, essentially. So like I don't have a salary in the same way, but essentially what it is is the weekly salary. So okay. every week that I work, I get like a fixed salary, and they take taxes out of it. They do all that. When we're off the air, we don't get paid unless we're working on something. So like I work, but so I, so the thing I love about my work situation is that like I make enough money to last me the year, but I work about somewhere between 35 and 40 weeks a year. What? That's fire. Yeah. I'm liking what I'm hearing. Right. So obviously the cash flow, you gotta, you gotta manage the cash flow in the sense that like, you can't blow your bag as if you're expecting, like when you're off all summer or off all winter, you can't blow the bag before you get to that point when no checks are coming in. But I make a weekly rate. I make 3000 a week. Um, so that's what I, but I'll say this too. Like, um, a lot of like TV shit is union. So like, that's right. probably, that's probably like an okay rate, but like, it's not anything crazy considering like some of the union minimums are higher than that for different jobs. 
right. which, you know, fair or unfair. I don't really care because I'm happy with what I'm doing. But um, so you make that and you make that while you're working. But for like these past four weeks, for example, I don't draw a paycheck from Dizanero. Like I don't draw a paycheck from the production company there. So that's how it kind of works in television. And like, I don't know if that's like a good thing or a comparable thing, but if you work in TV, we'll find out. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm the head of a department that's not directly related to the production and I make $3,000 a week. That's my when this comes out on Tuesday, check the timeline. We'll find out if you're being fairly compensated or taken advantage of. Yeah. Would you like to make more money, Rob? Would you like to make more? Um, I'd like to make more money. I think that more, more money is, um, always better to a point. Obviously there are diminishing returns. I don't think it ever, I don't think the returns ever get negative on having more money. Sure. Um, but they flatten the curve flattens. (laughs) Um, so I think that's the case. I, I, the thing I've realized, and I've thought about this a lot because I heard you guys talking to Lucas about this, uh, is that like, I think when you're younger and like the way things are presented and like all of us being, having been children of the eighties and nineties or whatever, I don't know. Chuck's was probably born in like 2002 or something, but, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pre nine 11, 1990. All right. All right. All right. Never forget. Um, <laughs> so I think that like we had this idea of like, being rich as like this thing that you like reach for and that's like great and like whatever and like sure it would be nice to be rich it would be nice to have a million dollars in the bank which is like not even really being rich if you live in new york probably um but i've just found that like i've gotten to a point now and where like i feel fairly secure in like my career and i feel fairly financial financially secure and like i like i don't really want for anything i don't have you know, I live in a neighborhood I want to live in. I live in the city I want to live in. Uh, like, I'm able to do the shit that I want to do. Um, if you, you, have at least, make you have at least one gold tooth, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got I got gold tooth money. So, like, <laughs> talk about... Like, not, gold, not gold teeth, gold tooth. Yeah. Right. I mean, but, the, like, talk about the most frivolous, non-essential thing of all time. If I had money for that and, like, whatever. I'm just, like, saying that the, the point being is that, like, being like rich is not a goal of mine or making a ton more money than I'm making right now is not a goal of mine. Yeah. Um, it's just more being able to like live comfortably and be happy and feel yeah, fairly sure. comfortable. It's quality of life. Like, yeah. It's, qual- it's more about quality of life now than like a number, I guess. Is my it's, point. it's, I learned this on 90 day fiance. Uh, the European dream, the American dream is like get he who dies with the most stuff wins. The European dream is quality of life and just like experiencing a, a good quality of life. Let me ask you this though. Again, mm-hmm. radical transparency. How much do Jesus and Merrill make? <laughs> oh, I have no idea, honestly. I mean, I mean, I I'm sure that they make. Um, we are on TV, and we have our own show. Basically, this show is named after them, and I yeah. think that gives you the information on like the kind of bag that they're pulling down. But even right. even still, I'm sure that like. I'm sure that like they have a lot of room and lo- a room to grow in that situation too. For sure. Like, I don't think they have, I don't think that they have like fuck you money. Like I don't think they're there yet. I think that they just are living very comfortable. You see, just look like, at just yeah. look at Merrill's just look at Merrill's ropes. Right yeah, again, it right. gets thicker. It gets thicker and, millimeter by millimeter every episode. And speaking of ropes, if there's any economic advice, it's uh, kids are mids. I'm sure Jesus has a lot more fuck around money than Merrill, right? So. You know, well, that's what I was going to say. Like the other thing too is that, like, it's not like it's not having a having four kids and like a mortgage in in New Jersey 
is not like, a, again, going to quality of life. No matter how much money you make, that's going to be a big draw to it. So I think that Mara's probably just happy that his quality of life includes providing a good quality of life for his family. And, does Mero um, does Mero ever resent that he fucking got rich like after having kids and never got to experience like being single and rich? The the funny thing about that is that like he's never once like even hinted at that. Like he's like I gotta say he's like a good guy in the sense that like it's never. I think if anything, it probably makes him happier because like the stuff that he can do for his kids. You know what I mean? For sure, stuff he can, for, the stuff he can do for his wife and like I think that makes him happy that like. I think the one thing he does talk about sometimes is that like, like his wife was with him when shit right. was not popping. You know right. what I mean? So like, and would like stay with him and was like supportive That's of his him. Day one. And, like, yeah, exactly. And like was around for when shit was, when it wasn't easy to be around. And I think that he's just so happy that now like he's able to like show his appreciation for that. Exactly. Well, speaking so of speaking of uh, Mero being a confirmed sex haver, let's move on to the third and final topic of this podcast, mm-hmm. which is meats and cheeks, formerly known as dad ass. Um, formerly known up. as sapping and ca- clapping. <laughs> yeah, no, no cap in my no cap in my clap. Uh, you are boot up. You have a girlfriend. You've talked about her a little bit, and you guys moved in right together right before quarantine hit. Um, mm-hmm. Has quarantine like accelerated the relationship? <laughs> uh, I think it. I wasn't, it wasn't right before, but it was like not that long before. And I think it's like, it's definitely accelerated it in the sense that we're like around each other, like more than ever. But I think it's like a good thing too, because like you kind of uh, go through this thing with someone and together. And she's like been very like supportive in ways that are like emotional and like real, you know what I mean? Like, like going to the grocery store, like picking shit up, like doing stuff like that. And I'm like trying to do the things that I can do like for her and like, it's just good to have like mutual support. So I think yeah. that like, it's, it's nice to have that. And like, she's been really good about being a good partner and a good mutual support in this situation, you know, when it's like not easy and I'm sure I'm not like the most pleasant person to be around like 20 hours a day. You know what I mean? You don't say. But, uh, yeah. You know, so I, I appreciate her for that. So what about, I'll, um, I'll say that. I think like, you know, what kind of gets lost on, on the DJ sometimes is like, you guys are the, you guys are the enablers of cheek clapping when you go out. Like a lot of reason, a a huge reason why people are out is to fucking find someone to, you know, bump uglies with. So as a DJ man, as a music man, our question is like, what are some must haves on a sex playlist? Yeah. What are some sex jams, dude? On a sex playlist? Fuck tunes. Some fuck tunes. Yeah. I believe that's what they're called in the biz. I don't know, man. I think I think it's probably like Catholic guilt, but I'm a little embarrassed by the idea of a sex playlist because okay. yeah, yeah, a little bit because I just I just feel like there's too much there's too much to interpret. I don't need I don't need to like I don't need to like have all these things floating around my. I would be too self conscious to have sex to a sex playlist. Hold because, on, babe. Hold on, babe. Let me get genius up real quick. I gotta I gotta see something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like someone's going to say something I'm going to notice whatever, like some ter- like, I just like, I don't need, I don't need the extra distraction. I'm focused yeah. on the task at hand. You know what I mean? So sure, like, sure, sure. You want to stay focused. You don't want to go, wait, did French Montana just say finute the coop? Hold on. I yeah. got yeah. <laughs> to investigate. My, uh, the homie, the homie, uh, Dick sucking Ron, he had a sex playlist in college. And when he was like out of the room or whatever, we like fucked with it. And he was hooking up with this girl. And speaking of stand up, some Jerry Seinfeld stand up came on. 
<laughs> and it was very awkward for all parties involved. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, you know, like, why have a sex playlist? What's the deal with eating pussy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the, all you're welcoming is like for bad things to happen. I sure. Right. Like. So right. I would advise if you are into that, uh, just because I DJ or whatever, like people who have sex playlists are the experts on that. And I think it's just like, <laughs> There's too much. This it's too fraught. It's too fraught of a decision. And I just need, make, I make your own music. Just yeah, exactly. Make exactly. Your own music. Make make your make your own sweet sweet music. Speaking of sweet sweet little boys, Chuck. <laughs> what? I don't know, man. I'm yo transition. Uh, yeah. God. At the end of my transition yeah. here, uh, we want to throw the mic over to Chuck, who I think he's awake at this point. He's been awake for two hours. It is two uh, thirty in the afternoon. Um, creative. 30 seconds of thirst because unfortunately chef had to bounce to deal with uh, some matters going on at, at mother. Um, but all right. So we're going to hand Chuck the mic. He's going to ask you anything, pitch you on something. Chuck with the candy corn background, go off King. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Rob, we talked about like Jesus and Mero's massive uh, presence on social media and like your kind of like approach to social life right now. Um, you're a tunesman, you're a DJsman, but you're also a tweetsman. I, I'm a big fan of all your tweets. Um, that always make me very happy. I love your work. What's your, <laughs> but what's your like personal approach to social media right now? Because like, I know that, you know, there's like rightfully like conversations about not distracting from like bigger issues right now. But like I said, mm-hmm. like, I don't, not that like it's your responsibility or anything, but like I said, like, and I think you kind of touched on this earlier is like people who are working hard deserve like a laugh every now and then. Like people deserve like, I don't know, maybe a YC uh, fire tweet every now and then. So like, I'm just curious as to like what your social or your like personal approach is. Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I guess I approach, I approach it, especially lately. Um, you know, you definitely, I think if you do anything on social media, I think the thing that gets people um, in trouble with social media is when you do something like thoughtlessly. It's like when you post a thing and you didn't really think about what you were posting. When you say something, you didn't really think about what you were saying. It's not about like making the right decision, but like more about like when you don't put thought into something, especially something that's like can be seen by like lots of people or whatever, and you just kind of put it out there without like really giving it any thought. That's like, that's like what gets people into issues. And like, that's what people who are, again, are well-meaning. Like they say things that like are insensitive or they do something that's like insensitive. And like, I'm always, and I always have been like always painfully aware of like everything that's like that I can say and like how it can affect people. And I've said stuff too, where like someone will like gently check me and be like, Oh, like this is like a little bit insensitive or this made me feel bad in a way personally. And like, my goal is never to like make anyone feel bad or like to, for anything to come at anyone else's expense. You know what I mean? Unless they fucking deserve it and they're terrible, like which is fine. And I think that like when we talk about broader celebrity and we talk about politicians in general, like they deserve whatever the fuck gets said on the internet about them. And that's fine. Um, but um, I just like try to put thought into it. So like right now, I think that like people deserve a laugh. People like, it's okay. We're all human. We're, we can like, concentrate on two things at the same time we can we can express like our we can um, vent and express ourselves and do all those things but like you have to like balance that with like still sharing important information like still still shedding a light on things that like people need to see like to still um 
still like amplifying like the right voices as much as that's become like a cliche phrase. That's like a really good descriptor of what it is. Like sharing information, like, you know, I'm not the expert on like activism or social justice or, or racism or whatever. I experience it. I like consume it. I learn from other people, whatever. So like trying to like encourage other people to do the same thing and to share those point of views and to share things you've learned and like things with, with other people is just like a part of what I do. And I also think that like, but also occasionally giving people humor or giving people insight or telling people what you think, especially as a person um, who has opinions about what's going on or just people who like look to you for, for like to say something about anything. You can, you can, you can do both. And I think that sometimes like interspersing some humor and some lightheartedness to what you're doing and then also having serious discussions about what's happening, about race, about inequality is like the recipe essentially. And that's right. essentially what we're doing here. We spent hours like talking about like, you know, the shit that we like and like the, like, you know, we took, we spent hours talking about lots of shit and having a good time and just hanging out and like being friends and like all that shit. But we also are having serious conversations in the same breath. And I think that helps amplify the message because if you give people some entertainment, some reprieve from like the bad things that they're feeling right now, but also reemphasize that like these conversations are important. These issues are important and we're going to like do something about all this shit. Like you kind of have to have a mix of both. And I think that just doing that helps. It helps the, it also helps the message not get drowned out. If you're not just constantly hitting on these things and if people are starting to lose like the stamina and the appetite to have these conversations, um, I know we can criticize them for that, but like to make it a little bit easier for them to make it a little bit more, make it a little palatable. It's okay to like intersperse some humanity and how you're feeling and like your personal things and like intersperse some fun in between that. Do you think like, have you thought about like the responsibility that somebody had, like you have what, like 40,000 followers on Twitter or whatever. And do you think a lot about mm-hmm. how, the responsibility that comes with the platform? Is that something like you actively process or for you, is this like, I'm just going to do the right thing always. And you don't think about that because I think, for us, right, with the podcast, we're still trying to figure this out day by day. And it's, mm-hmm. we've talked about it before, the, the, the goalpost move, it's a floating target, mm-hmm. like, you know, things change right. every day. Like, have you thought about that a bunch? Or again, is it just like an innate thing that, you know, it doesn't really come up? I guess I haven't thought about it that much recently, because I think, again, with my approach to like social media, and when it started feeling like, when it got to the point where it started feeling like, which is all very recent, when it got to the point it started feeling like a lot of people were actually listening to what I was saying, like that's when like I started feeling a responsibility not to speak up for social causes or not to speak up on specific things, but to have to know like the responsibility that I start I started to feel that I had was to like do no harm and to mm. not like to not to like to not like perpetuate harm on people that are just like undeserving of it and like. To, to know that like my words matter and as much as like Twitter doesn't mean shit and like I'm just one person and like what I have to say in my opinions aren't like the most best or most well formed like when you when you already know that at least one person is on the other end of what you're saying what you're doing even in a one-to-one conversation you have a responsibility from that point on right. forget what's happening out in the world even if everything was perfect and everything was fine even if like you have a hundred followers or a hundred thousand followers on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter or whatever, the minute that you're actually not speaking into the void and someone has heard you, you have a responsibility. And that's how I've always approached it. So like, this is just kind of like an extension of that in the sense that like, 
yeah, I have a platform and I think it's important to use that platform to like highlight certain issues and more specifically to highlight people who are doing the work and sharing the information and doing the scholarship on like all these issues. I have that responsibility, but generally speaking, I think all of us on social media, even if no one follows you, even if no one like pays attention to what you're doing, we all have a responsibility to, to be um, more conscientious about what we say to other people, like on a one-to-one basis or on a social media basis. So that's more, empath- more empathy, more empathy, more empathy, more life. Always um, that. If you make, if you make a joke and it hurts someone's feelings, like, um, even if you didn't, you don't understand why, or you don't, you don't think it's like that big of a deal. Like, is it really that important to you? Even if it hurts one person, is it really that important to you? You know what I mean? Like, it's, that's how I look at it. Well, Rob, we, we, we fully respect your opinions. We only have guests on the show whose opinions we respect, plus also Neve Shulman that one time. Um, but, Damn, dude. And speaking of having a platform, you know, let's use this opportunity. Exactly. Whatever. He's not listening to this. Let's use this opportunity. Also, fuck Neve Shulman. Who cares? Bro? Exactly. <laughs> to, to talk about the good guys, meaning we're putting Neve Shulman in the rearview mirror. What we're going to move on to fuck without fuck with. It's a working title, Rob. Still a working title. It's at the end of the episode now, but we're going to throw some categories at you. We want to know, and we'll we'll make this snappy and run through this because Lawrence and I, we have a consulting meeting in half an hour. We want to know what yeah. you're fucking with and what you're not fucking with. Uh, first up, brands. What brands are you currently fucking with? Um, my, a lot of my shit hasn't like changed in a while. I still dress like a divorced gym teacher. So, <laughs> so every like, gym teacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, just a drip teacher. That's like, you know, that don't be redundant. Yeah. Don't be redundant. <laughs> exactly. That was, that was a faux pas on my part. Um, so I mean, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I like purchased, like, it's like kind of the same shit that we talked about last time. So like, I got, I like got a lot of like John Elliott stuff that's like waiting to be worn. A lot of cozy wear. Um, I still um, fuck with uh, double taps. I have a couple, uh, a couple like chore coats that I'm trying to break out again. Speaking of things that you can't wear in the summer. <laughs> um, but oh, speaking of which, did any of you guys? If, I don't know because you guys are in a post sneaker world. But did any of you guys uh, get or have opportunity to get uh, those uh, double taps New Balances? No, but they're no. fire, dude. The green oh joints, my yeah. God. Yeah, the plug. Was- the plug didn't hook That's, us up because we have a little connect over at you know. Right. And I think we asked no the love. I think we asked the plug in there like, yo, these things moved. Like, we asked. I, I asked to. for the Aries ones. Did you see those, Rob? The tennis ball, the nine nine two as well that came out a no. while back. Those are great too. I think they just got restocked. But yeah, yo, double taps snapped, dude. Those were big yeah. gas. Oh, that was the first sneaker in a because like I honestly at this point in my life do not believe unless you can find a plug. I do not believe in pursuing hard to get sneakers. Yeah. But, that's this a big part I, of. That's a big reason why we believe in the post sneaker world. Yeah, like, that's a tenant for sure, a major tenant, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, I, I've like slowly, I'm slowly trying to get into that because like most of the shit that I wear is just like it's not gonna go well with like the loafers and shit that I have. But I just like cleaned out my closet a little bit, and I like have a couple things that are like that are like start like transition into the post sneaker world, like that little like border shoe. So I have like a lot of, the, I had those, um, uh, those like crushed velvet, like purple, uh, Nepenthes, like needles van the needles, the yeah. needles van. Yeah. With the little yeah. gold, with the gold dangly, the yeah. gold dangly skull on it. I got those a while ago on, um, on Lucas's recommendation, actually shout out to him. Um, and then I got another pair that cause like, cause like Vans makes those models in like, 
makes it a couple. That was a collaboration joint, but I also got. I'm gonna bring it into the screen because why not? Because you got to kind of see it. The, the, people, the people, it. the people at home can are yeah, definitely yeah. appreciate yeah. this. Can yeah. fuck, can fuck yeah. themselves. But um, <laughs> I, got, I got, I got, the, I got the peacock uh, slip on. Wow, with the penny loafer. Oh, the penny. Too. Yeah. Wow. The, yeah. Exactly. It's like so. I got a couple. I got a couple joints that I get that uh, that are post sneaker or on the way to being post sneaker, and I'm they're trans- to, they're transitioning. Yeah, and I'm trying to like. I'm trying to like decide, and again, the decision is being made for me because summer, summer is canceled. I'm trying to decide <laughs> whether or not, like, or whether or not it's advisable. Maybe you can tell me to go back to a, a little, to like stick a, stick a toe back into the boat shoe situation. Ooh, but interesting. But I don't know if that's like advisable or not. But um, I'm I'm having thoughts because I found some old I got I found some old pairs like uh, from Eastland and Tobago in my closet that I've had for a long time. Being a being a a, a fake uh, a poser preppy guy. Well, what I'll, what I'll say on boat shoes, Rob, if you do care for my opinion on yeah. the matter as yes, a professional as a professional Johnsman, and this has been coming up a bunch on the pod. Uh, most recently, just with with the homie Lucas last week, uh, and this is a lot of this is coming from our homie Antonio at 18 East. But the Timberland boat shoe on like the thick lug sole, what is it, the three eye? Oh, that's like yeah. a really because I, you know Sperry's and and Sabagos, there's good pairs and there's classic styles and there's really cool collabs too. I know Noah does a, a, an ongoing Sperry, Sperry collaboration. I think uh, mm-hmm. Brendan is like a creative director or something of Sperry too. But I love that, mm. that Timberland is kind of like, and talk about with fall coming up with some, just some mm-hmm. jeans and a nice thick wool rag sock. Like that could and they, be how you make a boat shoe thing now for sure. And I oh, think, okay. I think engineer garments did a collab with the three eye mm. uh, Timbo. If you want to go like a little, you know, tweak it or freak it a little bit, so you're not just, you know, have what everybody else has. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't and want. It, and it wasn't. Like you got it wasn't lost su- on your way to Murray Hill or something. Yeah, and it wasn't super overhyped right. or anything. So I remember, like, you know, when I was in the Penthes pre core like they were still on the shelves there. Like it's still, you know, it, so, it's not like a crazy hype uh, collaboration or anything, but it's definitely yeah, underrated. Even, this is the journalism that people come for. Yeah, exactly. Right. The hard, exactly. the hard hitting, long range shit that we do. Yeah. Sure. Are there any are there any brands you're not fucking with? Like anything you see out there that's just like not for you before we continue on to the footwear portion of the pod? Um, I feel like I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about this shit that I don't fuck with as far as brands because it's easy enough to just like avoid it. And I don't want to like, I don't want to, because like I think that like the thing about like personal style and shit is just that like it's personal, like whatever, like whatever you like, you're allowed to like. I mean, I never, I've never been, I know this is a popular to say now, but I've never been like a big, like off white guy or whatever, because like, again, it just feels like, it's like the sneaker thing that we just talked about. It just feels like this pursuit of this thing that like the pursuit, like means more than the thing at a certain point. And like yeah. the designs shit aren't for me. And like, you know, I just think of that as like the one very popular brand that I've never even considered like purchasing anything from because it's like very, it's prohibitively hard to get. And it's also just something that like, doesn't like resonate with me at all. Yeah. All right. Moving on to footwear, uh, you know, which we've already touched on. So besides the boat shoes, besides these kind of like borderline transitional pieces between the sneak sneaker world and non sneakers, which is exactly where the posting world exists mm-hmm. is, you know, mm-hmm. one, a literal one foot in each. Um, what else are you fucking with footwear wise? Yeah. Um, what else am I fucking with footwear wise? I mean, not I got, that, you know, I got, not that we're wearing fucking, you know, anything on our feet these days. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got I got a pair a while ago of uh the the collab the collabs with Sweet Coke and uh ALD. I mean, they oh they, yeah, they had like a kind of like navy blue pair of the like like you know what I'm talking about the like flip ones with the fur inside or something. yeah yeah Again, like those fancy are, those fancy are yeah exactly those are a confusing shoe to wear because it's unclear what weather um per, uh, well it's unclear what weather calls for an open heel and fur inside of the toe yeah. we were talking like, about these we were talking about these you were going back yeah. and forth on them and i was like yo sweet coke is gas like and i said like that particular model does look kind of strange on feats it looks really cool in product shots but uh yeah with pants look kind of kind of crazy yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I actually, I wish they had a little bit of a sturdier sole. But like, I I cop them and they look good on my feet. And like with the shit I wear again, with the whole divorced gym teacher house shoe, <laughs> shit, right? Um, it does look good in that in that um context. But it's also just kind of like it's one of those shoes where it's just like you don't have a pair of shoes that are like them. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, so I definitely like that cop. And um, I those have those need to come with a, a complimentary dog to walk because that's what that's what those are. That's like the dog walking, you know, the dog yeah. walking threes, bro. For in fall, yeah. a crispy day, that's the move. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely, and that's that's the shoe that like that's the like I own my I have my own shopping cart like grocery shoe. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that's, that's the vibe on those, and I and I like that. So uh, that's something I'm fucking with. Um, I haven't I I don't think I bought a pair of shoes again because of this situation in a while. Like I don't even remember what the last joints that I bought were. I have a pair of those um again in the same theme of like not hard to get shit. I have a pair of those um low top ghetto gastro black, green, red, uh Jordan, Jordan one. Yeah, yeah. Those um, are sick. That yeah, those that collab. And that's like a cool shoe too, because it's kinda like it looks like a dunk, but it has like that weird like new like nike rubber tire sole that's like real thick like the react sole as the yeah. react sole on the bottom um so i fuck with those um and that's probably the last pair of shoes i got do you have a give yeah. a mount rushmore of sneakers like if you yeah. had to pick top four of all time unranked what are they not that we're endorsing mount rushmore or any other type of statue oh shit uh, yeah, so, yo you know. we might need a we might need to tear down this segment dog it's a mount mount crushmore yeah if Jefferson, if Jefferson Davis was a shoe, who would he be? <laughs> Jefferson um, Davis. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, no. Um, we're getting off topic here. Um, I, I have like, I, I have a, I think the my favorite pair, my favorite like sneakers of all time. I mean, like, I'm a Jordan guy, not in the sense that I own a lot of pairs, but in that like I admire the like classic, like they created like sneaker culture for better or worse for what they are so like I, i'm a big fan of the jordan threes um that's probably my favorite model as far as like jordan's goes. i'm a big i'm a big nike acg guy i love i love their i love what they shoot do with their clothes and with their shoes so i have uh, a few acg pairs and collab pairs um i'm wearing acg shirts right now baby shout out nike acg definitely the best nike line in my opinion Oh, easily, easily. I mean, I had three pairs of those weird, like, ACG drawstring shoes that, like, the guy yeah. from, like, Undercover made. I got three pairs of those. <laughs> um, I got a weird uh, acronym, uh, the guy from Acronym, I mean. Errol Sin Hugh. I, I, yeah, I got the, yeah, I got the first, I got those, like, Volt Yellow first. A lot of the shoes that I like is just great, and I realized that's what's good, is that, like, keeping shoes for years and then, like, pulling them out, even if they're a little bit beat up, Sure. Um, it's cool because well I still have 
Exactly. I still have uh, the first pair of like Volt uh, Akron Impresto's. I still have. Um, Ooh, very uh, spicy. I still have. I still have the cream colored um, Supreme Snakeskin Air Max. The ninety eight. Um, yeah, those those fucking rock, dude. Those rock. And they're just and they're like starting to come apart a little bit, but they only look better because of it. And like they're fire. And I still I like I actually purchased those on Grails and didn't get beat in the head too bad back in the day um years ago but i still have them so they've been a good cop for me and I, like i said i'm a big uh acg guy but like as far as like iconic sneakers of all time i think like the jordan jordan threes um are probably my favorite of all time and then i would say um yeah i mean i think the jordan threes air max 95 i got a pair of those i got a pair of those when they came out with the nike id um like with that weird like rubber plastic material where it's mm-hmm. kind of like um it's kind of like a squeaky toy almost <laughs> um i got a pair of those just because like it's like a it's like a classic air max 95 with like funny weird materials i think actually for better or worse i think that was like a hair and preston thing actually but um yeah i got a pair of those so i mean air max air max and, and jordan threes i think are like my favorite all-time all-time sneakers that works, that works for us. That's two. Yeah. But like, since we're tearing down yeah. Mount Crushmore, fuck it. Yeah. yeah we're exactly. halfway there. We're That's halfway two. there. I, I don't know if I have another two, honestly. All right, let's get into uh, something that you've recently become an expert on, which is TV shows and also films. So just kind of like, you know, visual entertainment. What TV shows and films are you currently fucking with besides Jesus and Mero on Showtime? Um, currently, currently, let's think. Um, I saw, first of all, I saw... Uh, Shout out to anyone who has parents that still have cable. I got the HBO Max shit, um, which is actually very fire. I think that like, even though, do we need more streaming things? Probably not, but this one's pretty good and provides a lot of shit. And it's not TV. It's not TV. It's HBO. It's it's not TV. It's HBO. I don't know if your, your, uh, your uh, listenership would understand that reference, but. uh, I've only said it a million times on this podcast. So I hope at this point, they thought I came up with it. They do now. They do now. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a lot of them think you came up with that. That's worse for me, dog. Yeah, exactly. Um, I recently watched uh, Ford versus Ford versus Ferrari on that. Big dad movie. uh, yeah, exactly. It's a very big bad movie and it's not like the greatest work of cinema of all time, but it was very like it was very interesting because like a lot of it like mirrors the one of the aspects of the movie, like a big theme of it is like the bureaucracy of working with like a large corporation. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I said, and I thought that wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting like cars go room and like Christian <laughs> Bills and bullshit. Um, yeah. so like, Exactly. So that was kind of interesting and um, cool or whatever. Um, <laughs> Resounding like, like endorsement. What a ringing endorsement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was cool or whatever, you know. So it's car like machine, a, it's, car machine goes burr. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, basically yeah. a bureaucracy biopic. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is kind of a weird thing to say. And, like, obviously, it's, it's got good, like, if you like looking at, like, cool-looking cars, it's got that as well. Here's the next so. thing you got to do, Rob. Next time you catch some shit from these Showtime suits, take one of them into your fucking Ferrari or Ford and go fast. <laughs> and then, you know, they'll, they'll be... Yeah, exactly. I'm Spoiler glad you, alert. I'm glad Spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm glad that you've seen this this um, fine film. Um, so that was, a, that, that was a good one. I actually recently watched, uh, again, on HBO Max, I recently watched a documentary about Ro- Roy Cohn. Yeah. Like, you know Roy Cohn? Uh, this is a yeah. real deep reference for yeah, our this, young... Yeah, this just dropped. This is, just came yeah. out. Oh, it's Nixon, new. I Nixon, Nixon's boy. 
Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if it was new, but he's like Nixon's boy. He's part of all the like McCarthy hearing shit. Yep. And he also was like the lawyer for the Studio 54 guys um, when they were going through their like when the IRS came in and found money in the roof panels. Yeah. Like he was their lawyer. And that that was that one is a good one because it's and like he, my, he, he yeah, trained right? Roger Stone. He, he was Roger Stone's fucking mentor. Right. So like my criteria for like most movies and shit is that like it's good. You probably learned something and it's not too long. And I think it hits those three things very well because I think it's like under 90 minutes and it's like oh, really God. interesting, especially <laughs> even if you don't know, if you have no idea who this guy is, like it's super interesting. And if you know a little bit about him, it's still super interesting. So, this guy's got Roy Cohn's disease. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like interesting to like, uh, to watch something like that. And it's also great because like every person in the documentary talks about him. Like you never hear people unequivocally say this person's a bad person he's a piece of shit and i hope he burns in hell and that's this documentary does that for like 80 minutes <laughs> yeah for sure and well deserving you know yeah it's 80 minutes of someone of people spitting on this guy's grave and it's just like you don't you just don't get to see that very much anymore so i think that's like a, a nice uh a nice yeah, uh, nature so so, so we got a bureaucracy biopic and then a really uplifting documentary <laughs> yeah exactly so you know what my television habits are like so that's kind of like what what i'm fucking with right now i watch how to get away with murder on netflix with my girlfriend um and like it's really like over the top melodramatic, but like you're just kind of like really locked in. So I just started that. Um, I don't know what are I don't even know any. I don't know if I've seen any cool new things. Like what's been new that's come out lately? And I, well, like, I know you hate stand up, but I was gonna say the Eric Andre stand up. Yeah, just dropped like two I'd days ago. Some I thought, shit. I fuck with Eric Andre. I'd, I'd watch that. I'd give good. that a chance, but yeah, I would give that a chance over a lot of other shit. And, and it's not, and he, his shit is, he's, he obviously just, it's a stand up special, but like there's good crowd work and like bits and stuff that it feels very, right. that again, if you, if someone listening is with Rob and hates stand up, this could be like an interesting transitionary piece of, yeah. you know, between these, these two worlds. Right, right, right. Um, what about Black Lives Matter adjacent organizations and causes? What mm. are you fucking with? And then what are you not fucking with? But first up, <laughs> let's keep it positive. <laughs> what uh, I mean, we talked about direct mutual aid, where you're just like literally just funding the betterment yeah. of someone's life and all the money goes to them, minus right. any, you know, processing fees via GoFundMe or what, whatever the fuck. Um mm. but yeah, any other causes or organizations stand out that you wanna bring some shine to and exposure to? Well, absolutely. I have. I want to highlight one specifically and yes. give them all all of my time and space because it's a new oh. organization. It's a new. It's a new to me organization that I've heard about, and like I think it's really important to like donate to bail funds, even though it's questionable what happens with those bail monies once the government has it, et cetera, et cetera. And like to contribute to these individual GoFundmes that are funding like the families of people who've been affected and all of that. But this organization that I found out recent recently is called Equality for Flatbush. Um, and they're a community organization that basically says they are self-proclaimed having two goals. And the two goals are one to stop murders by NYPD. So to stop NYPD murders is their That's first goal. goal. That's a good Great and goal. Two, and two is to stop the displacement of like low and middle income people from their neighborhoods. Great. So I think that like they do that in a variety of ways, whether it's education, whether it's um, funding programs to teach people, to teach people and actually execute alternatives to calling 911 and calling the police. Like they do that. Um, they're big in like mobilizing the protests that we've seen happen in the Flatbush neighborhood and all through New York. Um, 
there's Equality for Flatbush is a great organization. They're doing like a lot of shit that's like helping people with COVID, helping people with like the police violence problems that we're having, helping people um, protest, helping like mutual aid. Like they're just like doing, they're like approaching like all these problems, even under those two very specific goals. They're like approaching these problems in like a variety of ways. And of course, like that's where I'm from. So like I want to rep the home team. Um, so I really fuck with Equality for Flatbush and I just want to thank them for everything that they're doing. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, anyone you're not fucking with. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not, we're not even going to bring their name onto the airwaves. Let's talk about, though, real quick, just music. What music are you currently fucking yeah. with? You're a tunesman. You're a DJ. <laughs> What's been in the eyes of the side of the face? Uh, that, new, that new Fat Man Key release. Ooh! Key. Hell yeah. Was that shit was fire. So yeah, good. Boys Don't Cry. There you go. Fire. Um, he always... His his projects are always like pretty Most much underrated in the game, dog. In my opinion, and and yeah. the father of a lot of Atlanta guys' styles. Like everyone talks about Thugger mm-hmm. and his kind of coaching tree, but Key, you know, Cardi, a lot of those guys. Uh, you know, obviously, Awful Records is part of that too. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously, Rob, I should mm-hmm. let you talk. I'm sorry for. <laughs> no, 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 I just love please. Key. I love Key, dude. I love. Yeah, him. I think that. Yeah, I think he is a little bit. He's a little bit slept on. I think he he like deserves it. Um, he's he's killing it out here. Like he he's never put out when he put out the project before this one with like Miami too much and all that yep. shit on it. Like I I was fucking with it then, and like he's obviously been around a while beyond that too. But, um, the Kenny Beats tape is incredible too. That's my favorite project of his. That's just wall to wall slaps. True. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, oh yeah. The joint. Uh, the joint with like Love on Ice and like mm-hmm. the really long joint. Yeah, that's one of my favorite joints too. Which um, also one of my boys um, put it on, put me onto that. Um, one of my friends that recently passed away, unfortunately, um, he put me onto that tape too. And like, I fuck with Key, so I'll, I'll leave it at Key for right now because I've been listening to like shit, but I'm also like, um. It's like I haven't been consuming any like I haven't I've been consuming a lot less music like at the start of like since all of this has happened you know what I yeah mean? but Hard. the key thing really broke the key thing really broke through the noise so I've been fucking with that on repeat well we got oh, we, yeah. we definitely have a lot of good outro music for this now if we yeah. if Key's whole discography is uh, you know ready to go in the chamber oh, grabs thank you let's Rob. Uh, let's let's bring it back to John's real quick fuck with not fuck with working title complete let's bring it back to John's real quick just one time mm-hmm. uh, we want to know especially in these weird times where you don't know what season you're copying for. You might be copying fits for 2021 at this point. What we mm. want to know, what we want to know what was the last John you copped. And then we want to know what's the next John you got your eye on. Mm. So we'll start with the last John. Uh, you mentioned you haven't copped sneakers in a while, but you have been copying shit that was meant for spring, summer, 2020, but who mm. knows what was the last John you copped? Um, I copped the shorts that I'm wearing now recently because it was just, it, it was on sale on East Bay. Speaking of uh, your age, so if you if you if if you're into East Bay catalogs, uh, there's the there's the plug there. Are you still are you still cruising East Bay catalogs? Yeah. No, I just like occasionally will come across something on social media that's like there's a sale on like on like Mitchell and S shit, and like you go to the website, you're like, oh, I'm on East Bay, which has a website. That's weird. There's Um, only there's only two ethical corporations in America: Patagonia and East Bay. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't, I don't know if that's shout true. Out, I hope I didn't say the wrong yeah. thing. But <laughs> shout, shout out East Bay. Shout out, shout out, yeah, shout out to East Bay. Shout out to Patagonia for sure. I can't wait to, to put on some more fleece to get back to fleece weather when we're actually maybe outside. Um, and then before that, I think the last thing that I bought that was like at all remotely interesting is I got a pair of those uh, 
those like black I got in black. I got a pair of those uh supreme like velour grid pants. They like have those like squares all over them. Yeah. So I fuck with those because they're like comfortable and they're like they're not like a thick like heavy like velour material. So is there branding? Is there overt branding um, or there's a very there's a very subtle like supreme in script logo on like the upper thigh, which usually is like not even that visible, which is fire. Um and I like the fact that it's in black, so you can't really see that it's like a pair of like honeycomb pants <laughs> um up until you're up close. I fuck with those. So yeah, I, I copped a I copped a pair of the Carlisle lounge pants. <laughs> the tear gas. Oh, that was that was my last. That was my last cop. Yo, we need that collab with Raytheon, bro. Yeah, we need that. We need a fucking. We need a bogo on a tomahawk missile. <laughs> um, what about uh, what's what's the next, John? You got your eye on what you know? You, maybe if it's even on your credit card. You put a fucking you know initial payment down, and what's the next, John, coming up? Oh man, uh, I don't really know. I'm like I always like I'm a big like outerwear person, so I'm just like waiting until that season returns to buy more jackets. That and buy more of that kind of shit. Like I just love that kind of thing. I got, like I said, mentioned earlier. I got like these two like uh, double tasks, like chore coats, and I've been looking at like I've been looking at like more like more like tap shit. Um, nothing specific, but I think that like the next, I might I might replace my very well loved, well well worn uh, uh, Carhartt Whip uh, winter coat. Um, I have like their like uh, they're like snorkel like their jacket the snorkel with the like removable fur trim bullshit. Um, I've had that and it's still in great condition, but I've had it for like six years and I'm just like want a new winter coat. So the next thing I'm probably going to pop is probably a new winter coat. Fire! That's an awesome New York ritual. Is the the purchase of like the the new the new you parka? Know, yeah, the the new the new big exactly. guy, the big bubble yeah, goose exactly. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the the the, the, the big boy, the brick John. When the it's big fully year. brick out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we're not talking about your uh, house slippers. We're not putting the park on the feet. So we're, no. we're talking about the big bubble. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, what about, so you mentioned that you, in the early days of quarantine, you were just like shopping a lot. Was there anything you copped during quarantine that you're just like, you look back and you're just like, why the fuck did I buy that? Like uh, your strangest quarantine cop. Um, I don't have anything that strange yet. But the thing about it is that like, I feel like I bought some like, adult person pants from Todd Snyder and like I don't I don't even remember what they were to tell you like my disregard for like shopping conscientious conscientiously so I would think that's probably my strangest person because actually I got a pair of like of like wool like wool like check pants from them and I'm like why did I buy wool pants in March um I don't know why. so they're gonna sit in my closet for like a very well for like six months at this point so that's probably the weirdest thing and then the other thing that like aside from clothing i've been buying i've been buying a lot of shit to cook with because like that's just like a thing that like you realize that's, now that's that, the thing like, we do now going, yeah like yeah, you, you're, like utensils yeah. or like food <laughs> no like utensils like in the sense that like you realize like now you're like not going out to eat as much you're not getting as much delivery you're yeah. like i don't have a fucking spatula so oh yeah or something <laughs> like that's what I'm realizing is the weirdest thing because I've got so much kitchen shit now. Like I've got baking sheets. I got like the meat tenderizer mallet. Ooh yeah, makes a like, schnitzel. Yeah, yeah, I got like yeah, I got I got like the some fucking, milanese. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of that, like I don't just have the cast iron skillet that I've always had. I have the fucking weight that you put on top so you can like <laughs> press your hamburger into the fucking mush. 
Hell like yeah. I got like all this random shit now. If you that, start, like, so that, that stuff is rampant on the IG timelines. So if you start speaking that stuff out loud, like we're all going to start getting like weird kooky, like, you know, oh. make the weird Buzzfeed tasty thing with uh, this, you know, it's insane, like three in one instrument now. <laughs> oh, it's already happening where like you're getting Instagram ads for like frying pans where people are like melting hard candy in it and shit. <laughs> and it's like flipping yeah, right yeah, off. Exactly. And, yeah. I'm already getting those like crazy. So. All right, Rob, before we get you out of here, we want to ask you one last question, which is, you yeah. know, for the 18 million listening at home, actually it might be, we, we just dropped a very special episode that we're not going to talk about, but um, mm-hmm. it's behind the paywall, but uh, we may have gotten a bump from that. I don't know yet. The numbers are still trickling in. Well, it's not a pub. It's not a public episode. So I don't believe so. Right. The numbers are still coming in just like mm-hmm. our man's Charles Booker in Kentucky. However, that being said, we want to ask you for anyone listening at home who might want to, you know, get into TV and entertainment, especially if they don't necessarily fit the mold of your typical TV industry person, AKA a white person with connections. What's the foundational piece of advice you'd get someone who wants to get into TV, especially if they're coming from a untraditional uh, origin place? Um, I think a good way, a good way to do that is to like, um, follow not in like the, like in the literal sense of social media, but also not in that sense, follow people whose work that you like a lot, like, or like shows that you enjoy or that like the kind of things that you'd want to work on, like keep track of what's happening with those um, properties and with those people and like what they're working on. And I think now it's probably, um, not that I want to bombard people and like the way you approach people is always going to be key. And like, I don't really understand how to teach someone to be a person in that way, but reach out to people that are working in the industry that you want to talk to. Cause like, I think right now, especially when you talk about like, um, black people and trying to get more black faces in these places. Um, now I think it's a good time to, to hit people up and to like, talk about like how you got into this. How did, how can I like build, a build a portfolio or a resume or like get looked at. I think it's, it's, it's important to like, just like start those um, conversations and those relationships with people already in TV. I get DMS from like people that I do not know at all who like very respectfully will ask me about the shit that I'm working on and ask me about whether or not there are any job openings, like not in a, not in a scuzzy way, but they'll ask me about like, what kind of shit can they do? Can they, the things they can assist with, like how do they get their foot in the door? And like, even just like having, I'm willing to have those conversations with people. Not everyone is, and you got to respect that. But like people are definitely willing to talk to you about what they're doing and like how they did it. And I think that like, I think just the first key foundational piece of advice I would say is to kind of like be respectful and be kind, but like get over that shyness to like reach out to someone to talk to them about. And I just want to piggyback on what, on what Rob said, because I agree wholeheartedly. And we've talked about this a bit, on the show where it's like, yo, and, and James and I answer every DM on purpose. It's just, yo, it's okay to be shy, but you need to get over that hump. The big thing is just be respectful to that person. Right. And then like you'd be, you would be surprised how many people that maybe you're a fan of, or you look up to like want to have that conversation that want to help out. Absolutely. Just got to approach it in the right way. So if anyone is listening is like a little bit afraid or, you know, or shy or, you know, this is or doesn't know where to start. This is the perfect thing. Just just do it and be respectful, and and you will begin reaping the benefits of just that 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 first step. Absolutely, exactly. and I think that people who are a little bit shy or concerned or worried about being intrusive, especially, already have the mindset of like trying to be respectful. Sure, yeah, so I think yeah. That, like that's why like those people who are having those internal discussions with themselves 
should reach out to people that you admire, whose work you admire, and like just like have a have a good conversation with them and like make a connection, like make a link have up a, and then link up, and maybe that like will blossom into something. Like it doesn't have to, but like you'll at least get some free game, and that's always good. Free game knowledge. Yeah. All right, Rob, uh, you are you work for the funniest and and coolest show on TV right now. Um, I say mm-hmm. that not one of, I say the, um, you know, you are running a fucking department with no white people, which I highly commend. Um, and you're clearly thriving. You've been there a year and a half and, and you're about to, you know, enter season two. We're in season two right now. So we'll see what happens. We're coming for the back half is coming for the back half of season two. Clearly right. thriving. However, Lawrence and I, we want to see you really truly take off and blast off to the moon. So we want to offer up some constructive, criticism keyword constructive all right so take it or leave it this isn't meant to tear you down this is meant to build you up even higher and flyer Mm -hmm. than you already are uh the first one leave jesus marrow and launch the throwing fits late night show easy (laughs) easy one that's an easy one start from scratch i mean this you know like you've 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 uh peaked at with jesus marrow why don't you just see if you can uh repeat the success with two mediocre average looking guys yeah Tempting new challenge. Something exactly. to think about. Um, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you don't want the responsibility of being a showrunner. Maybe you want to half retire, kind of like what James and I have decided to do by quitting our jobs and just doing this shit. Um, so how about just join the TF writers room? You know, we've been doing, we had, there has been more podcasts than run of show. Let's just leave it at that. Right. Like we, we, we could, uh, some of the titles are still working. Segments are pretty locked in. The biggest thing that we've been doing right now is just, we reverse the order of the show. So again, any type of uh, new pitching, new, new ideation, there is always a seat for you, Rob, at our table because you are hilarious and we love you. I love to hear it. Love to hear it. Think Thank you. It. Think about it. Think about it. Um, look, if you're not going to leave D&M for TF, which you know, I, some could understand that, uh, why don't we just kind of flip the script a little bit, have us on Jesus and Mero. There you That's go. That's an easy Oh yeah, we have happen. we have nothing to particularly like offer as guests, but like you know, yeah, let's so, tap so into some nepotism, doggy. They've had on they've had on the biggest athletes in the world, the biggest politicians in the world, the biggest actors, celebrities, and fucking entertainers in the world. Why not just two podcasters with like you know several <laughs> tens of thousands of listeners per episode? Two average looking podcasters, I might add. What what could go wrong? What could yeah. go wrong? And then finally, Rob, just because, like, listen, man, we love you and you kill it all the time, but you might want to try taking an L just every so often to keep yourself humble, dude. Just a thought. Just a thought. (laughs) That's a a, a thought. I will take that under advisement. uh, Take no losses losses and rebrand as a loss every now and then. Some Some losses. losses. Some losses. You know, that's reality. That's that'd be, a fi- that'd be a fire sticker. I know you guys love your stickers. That'd be fire. Yeah. Rebrand no losses. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. We do all right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Poe buddy, po Buddy's nerfed. All right, Rob. Uh, where can the kids follow you? Who do you want to shout out? Let's get you the fuck out of here so you can continue eating a bunch of weed and doing nothing all day. Plugs. Uh, sounds good. Yeah, sounds plug good. Them up. Um, yeah. All right. Sounds good. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at YC. Formerly Young Costanza, currently at YC. Um, Instagram at YC.718. 
the area code. Um, so you can follow me at those places. You know, um, we're still doing no losses. It's going to be a while before we relaunch that because they're bigger fish to fry right now. And that's Facts. perfectly fine with, with both of us. And we, and we're figuring that out hopefully in the future. Um, so, you know, shout out to that. Um, shout out to my girlfriend, Jeanette, you know, she's been holding me down, holding me down during the quarantine. Shout out to her. Shout out to Lucas, the homie. And um, I just want to give a special shout out to all my friends and all the people um, in my life who have been blessed to um, have been have experienced uh, any kind of interaction with my good friend, Dan Burns, who recently passed away. Um, so I just want to give uh, love and support to all my friends, all of his friends and family. Um, and I, I just want to say that I miss Dan a lot and I will always think of him. And um, I'm thinking of all my people out there who were affected by um, all the goodness he's brought to our life. An elite individual. I only had the pleasure of meeting him one time, but but definitely a, a great dude. So, yeah, RIP to Dan for real. I just want to echo that for sure. We fucking love you, bro. Um, thank you for coming on the only podcast that matters. Yeah, thank you, Rob. time out of your day. Chef, mm-hmm. welcome back to the Zoom. <laughs> While you're here, I'm going to need you to hit that motherfucking outro music, doggy. Boys, don't cry. Hurricane season, but it's category five. Season, but it's category five. I can feel the pulse, but I'd rather.